Hello, everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankiewicz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankiewicz, but we have to call him Mank. Mankiewicz. Herman Mankiewicz. How you doing, Finn? Uh, I'm doing okay. You excited? Uh, about what? That you're on the show. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm doing great this week. Yeah. Unlike last week, which is in about two weeks for you guys. Well, you weren't a <laughs> contestant last week. Oh, I'm a contestant Yeah, something? no, it's a quiz show. Oh. Fan- you oh. Were, well, you're here. The audience are here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we both have the exact same <laughs> impulse. Yeah, it's, a, it's the quiz show. It's the nation's. It's an international favorite quiz show. Everyone loves it. Oh. You know it. I don't need to tell you the name. I I, I, I must be neuralized by Men in Black before I came here because I have no idea what this is. Oh, no, that wasn't the, the Men in Black. It's just that uh, every contestant before the show has their memory wiped. Oh. Uh, and then, of course, is given the poison. And you remember what the prize is? It's the, the antidote. The antidote. To, to the poison I just drank, yeah, Dr. If, Jones. If you, if you get three... <laughs> If you get three of these six questions correct <laughs> on this, no, it should be simple. Yeah. Well, it would be simple if you knew the name of the show. So it's six simple questions. Anyone would know the answer to these things. And in some cases, uh, it's pretty obviously uh, racist not to. <laughs> no, you want to live, right? Yeah. That's I'll... the catchphrase of the show. That's right. Isn't that right, everyone at home? We want to live. live. <laughs> that, that's not the name. It's just the catchphrase. Okay. <clears throat> Question one, starting with an easy one. Yep. Who is the captain of the South Korean national football team? <laughs> um, hmm. Everyone knows this. Do I have any lifelines on, on, on the show? <laughs> no, the only lifeline is getting the questions correct. Uh, pass. Oh, okay. Question number two. Well, can, can you tell me what the answer is? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I thought you were a fan of the show. And part of the you did wipe my memory, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I have no idea if I'm a fan of a show. But there's like it's like Memento guy rem- has lost a lot of his memory, but still remembers that he loves his wife. We get a lot of contestants that love this show so much they remember the premise of the show, which makes surviving a lot easier. No, the only thing that that survived my my memory was that I don't trust Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fun time out. I'm glad you remembered that in Memento he doesn't trust Joe, Joey Pants. Yeah. But it, he doesn't remember that because he writes it on the Polaroid. Don't yeah. trust him. Yeah, I know. So that's not... No, I'm saying that, that's what happened for me. Oh, it's you remember... Yeah. Oh, you yeah. remember... Why? What did Joey Pants ever do I, to I, you? I, I don't know. I just know I don't trust him. Ambiguously possibly kill your horse? The Sopranos. <laughs> Question number two. Another easy one. You're a book fan, right? You love books. Oh, yeah. So, which well-known novelist wrote the book Tono Bungay? T-O-N-O hyphen B-U-N-G-A-Y. Uh, is this another South Korean thing? No. <laughs> no, no. He, he, he's uh, British, I think English. It's, a, it's hmm. a man because it's a novelist, you know? I'm going to guess Salman Rushdie. Uh, uh, um, said say wrong. Yeah, that's, that's what I suspected. Okay. What is the relationship between the 23rd and 15th Primes Minister of Canada. Uh, they both have a last name, Trudeau. Technically correct, not the words I would have well, used. Well, yes, if they're, 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 they are father and son. Almost. Uh, question number four, Hot Fuzz, you like it? Yes. Where was it shot? <laughs> uh, uh, England. 
Uh, I'm going to need something a bit more nope. specific. It's not what I got on the card here. So we have reached the point you have to answer both of these correctly to live. <laughs> <laughs> what also rises? Uh, the sun. Correct. And where should I get waters? From a well. Where should I get waters? For I'll have to hurry you. I'm sorry, that's not what I've got written here. You're doomed to death. Oh, I'll no. That's right. The captain of the South Korean national football team is, of course, Sun Hyun Min. H.G. Wells wrote Tono, Tono Bungay. The Trudeaus are father and son. Uh, yep. the, the 23rd is the son of the yep. third. Hot Fuzz was shot in wells. The sun also rises and you get waters from wells. That's right. You've been playing on wells or sun. <laughs> 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 the game, and I'm sorry, you now have to die. <laughs> I just remember why I love this game show so much. This <laughs> is my favorite game show. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, while well, I, uh, see, I see, I see why you why everyone's memories. I've always been <laughs> able to guess what the answers are pretty easily. Well, we the theory, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> so now that you're going to die, we enter the second phase of the show. How are you going to die? Oh, it's the poison. It's the poison. Yeah, you yeah, already told the, me that. Do you have anything you, you want to tell people? Um, if, no, not really. I, I've always been pretty open with my emotions and everyone, know, everyone pretty much knows what, 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 what I think of them. Uh, yeah, so that's my intro. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I feel myself fading very quickly. <laughs> oh, uh, no. No. He's, it's like, it's an optical effect. He's, it's like he's not making his parents fuck in the past. Oh, well, right. <laughs> took, took me a second to you know all that movie you'll, was. You'll, yeah, the, the film about people making their parents fuck in the past. The Tree of Life, I think. Maybe. That's what that was about. Is that Interstellar? <laughs> No, no, uh, no, no. That Interstellar well, he, is... he, he just uses gravity to fuck up his daughter's bookcase. But that's not what Interstellar is thematically about. Interstellar thematically is about how much Christopher Nolan loves 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey. And but it's also about the fact that you sh- you shouldn't trust Matt Damon. I that was the year where there were like three films where the twist was Matt Damon was in it, right? Maybe. It's interesting, that game show, because it's been running for years, but it was my first time as question writer, oh. uh, and I really struggled to find <laughs> six. My original goal was ten. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors, or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we're watching number 81 on the Sight and Sound list, The Magnificent Ambersons. Orson Welles' second movie in a row about rich people really just fucking things up. Our second film this week is Mank, David Finch's $30 million attempt to allow his father's ghost to pass on to the next world. I would really like 
like, because we were talking like there should be a post-credit scene at the end of Mank <laughs> where like Aaron Sorkin shows up at Mank's house and says, I want you to join the script Avengers. And they <laughs> it wouldn't be Sorkin, it'd be Trumbo. <laughs> Be Trumbo. Yeah. Oh god! Imagine a Trumbo and Mank team up. <laughs> be, be like Hobbs and Shaw, but good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's directed by David Leitch, and Idris Elba <laughs> yeah. is in it as a character who constantly declares himself as the Black Superman. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Tr- Trumbo and no. Mank are constantly arguing about who, about who has a bigger dick. No, the villain is obviously Barton Fink. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about, like, it's subtextually about real portrayals of oh, screenwriters. M- Mank and Fink and Trumbo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rat, rat Trump a Fink boo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rat Trump. Yeah, Rat Trump. Were you as uh, furious as I that there are n- there's no one from Manchester and Mank? <laughs> I- I'm just angry that there's no one from Manchester and Manchester by the sea. I'm just angry that there's no one from Manchester in the 24-hour party people. <laughs> yeah, no one. Those are all, did you know, like John Sim, Steve Coogan. Yeah. No, I, I say that and knowing neither of them from Man. No, I think John Sim, it does not matter. Maybe. But they're both like Bulgarian yeah. and they're just doing incredible accents. Yeah, no, that's why England has loomed the European Union yeah. because Bulgarians keep coming over and stealing their best Mancunian roles. No, um, I believe that at this point uh, the reason <laughs> is because they committed to it five years ago and haven't figured out a way to not do it yet. No, it's... Even though they could just say, no, sorry, we fucked that up. We fucked that one up. Uh, how about it takes backsies? No, uh, it's because the plot of the third Watch Dogs game is set in post-Brexit London. And um, the they are aware that Ubisoft is currently in quite a precarious financial position, and, and they think the fact that they could still quite easily just not do the bad thing, <laughs> uh, but they it's almost as if that country is ruled by uh, an elitist class of absolute dullards. Yeah, it's 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 almost exactly like that. <laughs> So the image I just had in my brain is that like Boris Johnson is out. He's out contracting COVID a third time, <laughs> and he's out camping with uh, one of his many wives or children, <laughs> and th- and then he suddenly gets up. He just tears a hole in the tent, kicks it over, gets out all their food. They're they're days away from other food, and starts just throwing it away. And he's like, oh no, a bear's doing this. (laughs) How can we stop this bear? (laughs) And then he's like picking up flaming logs and hurling them at his 90 children, yelling, we have to stop this bear. (laughs) So the Magnificent Let look, we should start slightly before the Magnificent Ambersons with old Orsi Wellzo. Yeah, the man, the myth, the ledge, the the legs gend. Sorry, now I'm just thinking of like, what if someone like remade the Magnificent Ambersons, but all the characters were like shitty versions of raisins, and it's called the, Mag- the Magnificent Crambersons. I mean, there are several characters in the Magnificent Ambersons <laughs> yeah. who could be called the Magnificent Raisins. Yeah. Um, so, where? What's your take on uh, Orson Welles? Uh, I think uh, he's real cool. I, 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 I love I love Orson Welles a lot. He's one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, I and also he's just like I I think he is my not not necessarily my favorite actor, but he is my favorite screen presence of all time. I just love seeing Some him on Harry screen. Lemon I love hearing Lyman his voice. Bitters, yeah, uh, he just fucking rules. 
I think he's great. Yeah, I have questions about him as a person, even though I agree. Whenever I've heard him take a political stance, I've yeah. agreed with it. Yeah, it's been great. There was a fantastic video going around Twitter a couple of weeks ago. It was giving an interview to a bunch of like French film students in the 70s, and he was asked a question about, about Ilya Kazan. And he said, I refuse to answer any questions about Ilya Kazan because that man is a traitor. <laughs> But like, the, oh, like as much as I agree with the sentiment of doing that, I think there's very much like Orson Welles as someone of what is probably prodigious talent, mm. like certainly as a baseline, he knows how to collect a group of collaborators. Yeah. And, and like the thing I resist most on Welles isn't the idea that most of his films are good and, and that he's an incredible screen presence because I feel like both of those are kind of unimpeachable <laughs> points. And it feels like one of the great uh, rites of passage in being just an absolute film shithead is finally getting to Citizen Kane and being like, it can't be that good. And then watching it and being like, oh no, it, it is that good. Yeah. And, and he and he kept being that good for like 30 years. Yeah. Like, if it's for fake, Touch of Evil, his best film. Hmm. Or or his 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 final film, the, the Other Side of the Wind, oh, yeah. which is uh, uh, all, all, also I think incredible. The the Mimes of Chidnight, which is uh, <laughs> his only one without any dialogue. Um, but he 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 also uh, is very much and Mank is a bit about this. Uh, uh, was he really bought Orson Welles loved the idea of Orson Welles? Yes. Uh, that this one man who did everything. Yeah. When I. I think that very much underdoes how well he collaborates. Like he came up through the theater, like he got the RKO deal to make Citizen Kane because he was doing so well in the theater and in radio. And to 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 cite one of the hoariest cliches, uh, uh, successful theater is collaborative. There, there's no way to do like monomaniacs within the theater end up either like incredibly succeeding but at the cost of you know being robert wilson and making robert wilson shows or make films mm. and i think kind of the most telling story about orson wells as a person is is the fact that you know all the stuff about you know the mercury radio theater doing war of the worlds yeah, and yeah. there was mass panic uh, which which there wasn't. Yeah, there yeah. was not mass panic. There was mass panic when it was reproduced in other countries, <laughs> um, but that was entirely them just being like, "No, fucking check, check us out." Um, and I, but yeah, he's still great and good. Yeah. But there is an interesting thing, especially when it comes to magnificent ambitions, is like, oh, it would have been his masterpiece if they hadn't cut forty minutes out of it while he was in uh, Brazil. <laughs> but I look at it and I go. Uh, I I think that that's the myth rather than right, the yeah. truth, you know. And it, which is not, I'm not, I'm not coming here to be like it's Magnificent Ambersons is garbage. <laughs> but uh, I I I think it is very decidedly a lesser work, and it is that the myth of it being this great sullied masterpiece is much more to do with the idea of Orson Welles and pretentious Neil Gaiman capital letters than than it is about the film itself. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. Of all of the directors ever, I think like Wells is the one who most falls victim to the, the like great man view, view, view of history. Yeah. Even though we, we all know that like auteur theory is a useful theory, but it's not necessarily like... Yeah, no, it's, it's it, a fun way to tell a story yeah, about something. But like, yeah. like he, he is still someone that like, oh, I, I, I think about like that way. Yeah. Even, even though I know it's not true, I still like, fucking awesome Wells, he did everything. You know, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he's a star, he's right, he's a director, he's, 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 B, he's B figure. You know? Yeah. And, and like, like Citizen Kane would be worse if he wasn't a good director. Yeah. And it's not like oh, everyone else was good but him. Yeah. You know, this is not a. I, I told it to you to you last time we recorded, but which I think is growing as my theory of Sofia Coppola, uh, in that uh, she is the sum of her collaborators on each right, film, yeah, yeah. as opposed to someone who could make a good film kind of with any team or you know mm. which is not to say she's made bad films she's made a bunch of good films and she's also made on the rocks a film that's technically i think a vlog <laughs> that's true yeah it's true but you think that yes <laughs> no no i just think making two films in your career that are pretty clearly at least semi-autobiographical about how you were at a creative loose end really had nothing to do and then bill murray turned up as a stand-in for your father francis ford coppola <laughs> showed you a good time did something ethically ambiguous and then left <laughs> is a bit like Ah, uh, I mean, you double dip the chip. You put your how- whole mouth on that chips of hair, and then you put it back in the dip. Oh, and that's a George bit, as opposed to a Jerry bit. Double dipping the chip. I'm not not a Seinfeld person, really. No, you're you're a Nicholas. I'm, I'm, I'm a B movie guy. <laughs> you're a B movie guy. That's his. Uh, that, 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 that's his masterwork, as far as I'm concerned. Not comedian. The documentary about him. No, it's been on my Netflix. Like like queue for several years. I've never seen it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. That's fine. No, I just I just can't get that interested in the idea of Jerry Seinfeld. I'm sorry. Why not? What's he done wrong? Like it's not it's not even that. I just don't <laughs> care. Well, it's just so like it was everywhere. Yeah. Like no, it's it's like if someone in their forties was like. Why is he want to tell me to get into Buddy Hackett? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You weren't alive when Jerry Seinfeld was yeah. relevant. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, are you, he, he's, so you're he's more always a just how like, I met your mother guy? I mean, look, I was. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, yeah. like when that show was occurring. Yeah, it's good. There's a good cast in it, and Josh Radner. But yeah, you 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 got Neil Patrick Harris from Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog, and you got Alison Hannigan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You got Jason, Jason Segel from Jason Segel's Penis and um, <laughs> Forgetting you Sarah got Kobe, Marshall. You got Kobe Smulders from uh, from Avengers. Yeah, Kobe. you know, all, all your favorite Joss Whedon stars. <laughs> yeah, jo- jo- Joss Whedon, director of Jason Segel's Penis and <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That would be. I'd like, like, the ostentatious single take scene of, of Jason Siegel's penis and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Also, like, just the idea of Joss Whedon and Russell Brandt interacting <laughs> and no doubt irritating each other yeah. is, uh, uh, oh, no, or oh, they would get on too well. No, no, they wouldn't. I mean, in, 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 in some ways, they have, they have a lot in common. I think, I think they would not, I think they would not enjoy each other's company. Yeah, that is that is true. They have both broken up with Katy Perry while she uh, on camera, while she by text, while uh, she is filming a, a, a arena a performance film. Oh, 
I I I I I didn't know if they'd both done that. I thought it was I thought it was just Joss. <laughs> oh yeah, but he's broken up with everyone. But he's always texted everyone that they're getting divorced. I'm sure of his most recent breakup wasn't him making that choice. Well, there's a lot of uh, debate about the sound mix on U2 3D, <laughs> um, and, and that's that. Like, obviously, the that. They've got elements of electropop in their style, uh, which is to say they have elements of every music in their style, because you uh, 2 whether you like them or not, uh, is the equivalent of all colours together being beige. <laughs> you know, how the colour of the universe is kind of a slightly boring purple. But uh, throughout U2 3D, there are these odd beeps in the background, and there is a theory that that is just Whedon texting all four members of the band throughout to divorce them. I'm so sorry, the edge. Well, sorry. Or it's just edge, right? Not the edge. No, he's the, it's edge. the edge. Yeah, but that's also the wrestler. Is also called the edge. I did not know there was a wrestler called the edge. Yeah, Are they the same man? So, okay, so what? What's what's Edge from U 2s real name? I used to know this, and now I oh fuck yeah. Um, you look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up. Um. It's something really boring. It's, yeah. I want to say it's something really boring like Larry Mullins or Adam Clayton, but those are the other two members of you 2 Okay, so it's not Adam Clayton? Because I thought it was Adam Clayton. No, Adam Clayton is the bassist. Okay. Um, And Larry Mullins Jr. is the drumster. Oh, his name is David Howell Evans. That's right, Dave Evans. Well, And Bono's uh, full name is, of course, Bono Vox. Good voice. <laughs> Yep. That's why mm. when I perform a stand-up comedy, I I perform under the name Bono, but it's long, but it's short for Bono jokes. And then the 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 wrestler Edge. Oh, okay. He's the 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 the, the wrestler was just called Edge. Uh, yeah. uh, his his full name is is Adam is Adam Copeland. That which uh, is very similar to the name of someone else in U two. At least one of them should have the name Edgewood, right? Sure. <laughs> like, make your name Edward. It is interesting watching The Magnificent Ambersons because it is a film that is impossible to watch without context. Yeah. Uh, it's a, 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 you're, you're watching the 88-minute version of what was, what is supposedly this two-and-a-half-hour-long Yeah, like, like if you're watching Magnificent Ambersons, it's because you brought the Criterion Blu-ray of it. Or... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think it was also in the director's series. Those sure. DVDs. It doesn't matter. And imagine just blind by that criterion because you just like. I just love the name Amberson. I, I just want to hear what's so magnificent about them. Uh, I, I I just love films about 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 families of magicians. Well, and I just like I love families that are magnificent. So I hope this title is not in any way intended to be ironic. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 I just, lo- I love Westerns, <laughs> you know, I've seen Magnificent Seven, now yeah. I want to see the Magnificent Ambersons. Because they think the title is the Magnificent Amber Seven. Yeah. <laughs> no, because this person's illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're just misreading. No, 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 this, this person's illiterate. No, no, Finn, I was discriminating against people with hearing difficulty, not dyslexia. I, I didn't say they had dyslexia, I said they're illiterate. Oh, right. Oh, they just so they choose not to read. No, no. They, 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 um, so they are uh, they, they are a surf. They, oh, yeah. they, 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 they are they are lower than dirt, and uh, I shouldn't even have to think about them. Why is it that we call actors who refuse to audition for parts um, offer only when they refuse to read? When we should just call them illiterate? <laughs> hmm? Anybody? Everybody? Anybody? Tom Cruise. How do you feel about that joke? <laughs> I mean, he's probably laughing. I feel like that's his response to most things, right? Mm. I do. 
like the thing I want the film because Mank obviously exists to kind of re relitigate a moment of tension uh, in the making of a great film. Well, look, it's because it's because David Fincher's dad read a Pauline Kaley essay once and was like, yeah. "Oh, I'll write a movie about this." I mean, I've 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 thought about making films because of reading Pauline Kaley essays. <laughs> she's a she's. Yeah, there, 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 there was one this year called uh, called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was adapted from a book that was probably written yeah. after reading a Pauline well, Kael. Yeah, no, it, it just it just happens that someone reads an entire Pauline Kael review in the middle of the movie. It was good, I yeah, love that it's bit. It's a good scene, yeah. Like, a good scene in a film of good scenes. Yeah. Um, just love how... Oh, yeah, no, we'll talk about that next week. Um, no, not next week, because that... Well, if you want to hear us talk about more uh, about I'm thinking of ending things, check out the Shite and Sound, Shite and Showdown for the Crown 2020. Which is coming out in about uh, oh, three, three weeks. <laughs> Who knows? What is time? Yeah, no, I think it's three weeks. Because there's one more time in, in the West and then Beau Travail. And oh, then, yeah. yeah. I wonder if we did episodes on those already. I think they're quite good. Mm, they're good. Okay, the Beau Travail one <laughs> does end with me doing like a 30-minute long <laughs> homebody cowboy monologue to you. <laughs> well, I'm just like slumped in my chair trying. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that's, look, that's a weird one. Look forward to me expressing like both existential despair and a case for the film The Age of Dragons <laughs> to, to Finn uh, in two weeks. Um so, Magnificent Ambersons. But yeah, when you watch The Magnificent Ambersons, you don't watch The Magnificent Ambersons. You're always performing cultural archaeology, right? You're always trying to be like, what are we missing? Because it is quite yeah, hard yeah. to know what we're missing. Like, the notes exist, but being like, oh, there were more scenes of people talking in fancy houses. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that just sounds like more of the film we saw. Yeah. <laughs> Like you, you, you got to see all the intermediate steps between the between the, the first car and the the final working car. Please, they're horseless carriages. Horseless carriages, automobiles. <laughs> One day they're gonna put rubber tires on them and fill them with air. Boy, howdy, that'll be a smooth ride. It is. It is quite. But like, so magnificent Ambersons, good film. Yeah. Uh, starts with an incredible uh, montage about how things were in the past. Yeah, and, and how, how how times and fashions change, <laughs> and it, it's all alternating between like close up or like different piece of fashion, and then like wider shots that show Joseph Cotton standing in front of a full length mirror, just like looking at himself <laughs> wearing uh, these dumb eighteen nineties like early twenties clothes. And, and incredible Orson Welles notion being like people always wore the stovepipe hat, which was ridiculous because stovepipes cook you and cook your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so people were getting into top hats thinking they were on top, and then things got lower, bowlering them over. Um, and it's just great fun. Yeah, no, it's just multiple uh, puns. Well, it is. We are back once again in the realm of films from the past where wit is people just being pissy about shit. But 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 I think like more, more like in a good more, like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like more more than some of the other films we've watched. This film like realizes how irritating these people are. Oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're just like like trying to quip at each other and just being fucking shitty. Well, like the the like the the most interesting comparison in many ways to make between the Magnificent Ambersons and Mank is that the Magnificent Ambersons understands that all of its characters are flawed and like kind of broken people. Whereas Mank is kind of about how dope Mank is. Oh, and like 
he was uh, drunk and annoying, but that makes him cooler. Yeah, Mank has a lot of similarities to a Jeremy Seville film, where just like every scene is just like just telling you how great this one dude was, I just, and, and everyone just wants to keep talking about how great this dude is, even though we already know, like you told us so many times, how great the dude is. We're like, yeah, but have you heard about this great thing he did? Well, he's working on this film. It's called American, and it's about this character called Kane, and this is the best script ever written. And, it's na- and, and now, and now here's ten different major historical figures to tell us that this is the best script we've ever read. <laughs> but you know what? It might be controversial, but that's part of what makes it so good. How good would it be if the in-credit scene of Mank, just to return to my point, you know, people peel throughout, throughout history reading the script and be like, huh? No. You just got like Tutankhamen re- reading Mank, be- no. be- reading Citizen Kane. No, I, I, you got like Louis XVI <laughs> reading Citizen Kane, just as, as he's about to be guillotined. Have you seen Lady in the Van? Uh, I've 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 seen that one scene of Silence of the Lambs, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Lady in the Van, which uh, is a film adaptation of a play by Alan Bennett, in which there are two Alan Bennetts, so he can talk to himself. Okay. Um. Uh. And it's good, but no, Alan Bennett it does not play Alan Bennett in it. But at the end, the final scene is the real Alan Bennett visiting the set, and I thought that like the end of Mank should be Jack Fincher coming onto the scene, like shaking hands with Mank, but then like he walks down the road and a light opens in the sky yeah. and finally he does he does ascend to heaven. <laughs> He's like, I've finally been freed. I won't turn into um, an evil zombie, the stakes of which are, are at best no, ambiguous. We, no, we, look, we're not talking about dead again, except for on the Shite and Sound Showdown episode. No, that, that look, seems cruel. I'm not going to be too mean about it. Okay, so, but The Magnificent Ambersons starts with my favourite thing in films, which is, uh, it's basically a bunch of people in the 1900s, 1910s, yeah. being like, oh, these horseless carriages, oh, they're bad, these car things, they won't take off, no, no, well, no. I, I, I think it's probably the, the, uh, things that the, the, the like, 1890s, because the, the, the majority of the film happens, dur- like, around, like, World War One. Oh, yeah. Mank has spoiled me by literally typing out the scene headings on the screen. Uh, and it's still super confusing when everything's happening in Mank. Uh, I, I didn't think that. I, no, I, 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 I might not have been paying full attention to Mank. Oh, oh well. Yeah. Please, Manchester by the sea. <laughs> no, we've already made that joke, and let's not talk more about that. I think there's a really good Casey to be made against that film. Margaret. <laughs> no, Margaret, good. Good good movie. Isn't it funny that that film was short and bad, and when they made, when Long Again made it long again, it was good? It was, that, it was actually Scorsese and Scootmaker who made it long again. But he was involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the like, ones who who like made the studio let him make it long again. Yeah, go see Margaret in, in, yeah, in, in, in cinemas in, in now. now. It's playing in IMAX. Hey, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, oh God, no! Just imagine seeing Margaret in IMAX. It is uh, deeply upsetting. <laughs> I mean, like, that's good. It would have, like it would be good, but I, I I don't think I'll be able to handle like some. It was uh, uh, yeah. Uh, as I was telling you, I rewatched um uh the Invisible Man yesterday because right, yeah. it's good. 
um, and it's it's still good. Strong recommend. Um, uh, it, and the the most horrifying thing in that film is that at the end it says optimized for IMAX, and just the idea of seeing that yeah. film, of seeing Elizabeth Moss's dementing face as she likes like this scene where it's like, did you know she's pregnant? And she t- do you know you're pregnant? And she turns to the camera like tears streaming down <laughs> her face in a in a rictus of uh, anxiety and pain. <laughs> seeing that on like a ten story high screen would just uh, how <laughs> I would instantly lose my mind <laughs> i'd be like an Antonisha character <laughs> but yeah so there's the ambersons there's this family they've had a good time of it they're real good at diversifying they're, their stock they're super rich so rich they live in a house there's on a their sh- family patriarch he's the colonel there is uh <laughs> one of the raisins yeah yeah well he's he's absolutely a raisin man yeah uh then then he's got uh He's got two like main kids. Yeah. He's, he's got he's got a son Jack and he's got a daughter Isabella. And then we've got Joseph Cotton, who's like not part of the family. He he's kind of like a, a he he's he's not from like a, a wealthy family. Yeah, he was kind of like a local scoundrel. Yeah, um, and, and, and he, he's he's you know he's he's super into Isabella and yeah. they're, they're they're like they're courting because it's the eighteen nineties. Yeah, and people weren't allowed to talk to each other yet. Well, and uh, almost all of this courting is in the opening montage. That's why yeah. he's getting dressed up. There's a lot of very funny repeat montages of him like knocking on the door and being like, "Is she home?" and people being like, "No." Well, that, 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 that's after there's a scene where, where they're like running around together and he breaks a, he breaks a violin. Yeah. And, and then everyone's like, oh, you know, it's going so well for those two. It looked like they were going to get married. And he broke a violin. And, and yeah, then, then, then she wouldn't give him the time of day. Yeah. And she ends up marrying a man named Wilbur. Boo. I, I, Old, just just, a, just a, a weak name for a weak man. I don't get the sense that Isabel... Is this man the current Prime Minister of Australia? Because he exudes weakness and cowardice. <laughs> what a, I mean, you could say that. Uh, I would. Sure, but I can't uh, think I, of a, prime, a current Prime Minister I would not that express that about. Sure, but uh, I just saw Scott Morrison on the news a few days ago. In, in Please, his name's ScoMo. Sco, yeah, I saw ScoMo on the news a few days ago in regards to the Chinese government making that uh, Photoshop picture of the, the Australian soldier killing a baby. Well, no, it was an artist, right? Sure, well, it was something. But, and so, and I he, mean, artists and the government are. But the, 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 the Chinese government, like, 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 uh, the Chinese government pro, pro, yeah. pro, promoting the picture. But um, there, there was a press conference that, that Scomo gave to talk about how, like, how unacceptable this was. <laughs> and watching that man trying to, like, have any sort of status is so fucking funny. I, he is. He is the most nothing human being I've ever seen. Tony Abbott is a, a homophobic racist monster. Yeah. Uh, who the fact that he held a position of power uh, in Australia should cause a lot of people to just leave Australia. Yes. Um, I feel like the solution to a lot of Australia's problems is just leaving uh, in, in the way that I do believe that about America uh, and Britain and, and New Zealand. <laughs> I'm I'm a big supporter of land back, and I'm aware that a big part of land back is uh, me not being here anymore. Um, uh, 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 yeah, go go back to Scotland. I got lucky there. I've worked all in COVID though. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, um, Scotland's great. It's like <laughs> it's like New Zealand, but we didn't steal it. <laughs> it's like oh. I mean, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> It's less stolen. And, you know, there are whole towns where everyone looks like my mum. It's deeply psychologically strange. If you want more, 
if you if you're interested in more on that specific experience, check out my newsletter at the Dean's List. That's bit.ly slash youthalives. There are no M's in that, so uh, I'm not gonna spell it out for you. But uh, uh, this marriage, the marriage Isabel seems kind of forced into, is clearly loveless to the point where I think maybe the narrator tells. Oh us no, it yeah, is. yeah. So um, in, in in this montage, there's the Orson Welles narration, and then it will also cut to shots of like members of of the community just like harumphing <laughs> and 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 giving their like commentary on things. There's this one woman who's like, she's gonna marry Wilbur, and you know they're, they're gonna have a bunch of children, and they're gonna be the worst children of the town because she doesn't love him, so she'll have to love the children too much, and they'll spoil them rotten. Well, and then Orson Welles comes back and is like, yes, well, what, what the prophetess got wrong was, was that they didn't have children, they had a child, but they did spoil him rotten. And then it cuts to uh, <laughs> okay, just this fucking <laughs> awesome scene of the world's <laughs> shittiest kid uh, going on about like a 15-year hit-and-run spree on his fucking carriage. <laughs> but also... It starts off with him as like an, as nine years old, dressed like fucking Louis XVI. <laughs> like, but like, actually. Like, yeah, he's running around with the like, like, with like this like long curly hair and a giant hat and he's wearing a kilt and like, and tights and stuff and like a ruffled shirt I know, it is, and he's I'm... driving around in like a mini like carriage pulled by a pony yeah. and he's just like yelling he's like a nine year old he's just like yelling at people and, and this point... is the first time uh, he because several times he is uh, on a horse drawn carriage throughout the ages yeah. and he yells at people get a horse <laughs> which yeah. is like and at one point he he uh, he he's like driving past some uh, like a poor person's house, yeah. And he sees this like poor child in their like front yard, and he starts yelling at them. He jumps out of the carriage, over, he like dives <laughs> over the fence, yeah. and starts beating up this child. <laughs> and then the kid's dad comes out and starts yelling, "Hey, stop beating up my kid!" And he starts punching this. <laughs> he starts punching this grown man in the All face. While and we cannot stress this enough, dressed as D'Artagnan, <laughs> like I, it's so fucking good. It's just it's just this it's just this like middle-aged man just be like why are you doing this stop hitting me and this kid be like do you know who my parents are fuck yeah. you yeah, he's a he's a real eric trump yeah and, and then it, like it, it cuts to him being like disciplined by, by his mom and dad and then yeah. he's like is it true that you punched him and he's like no but even if i did he deserved it <laughs> and then his his grandfather the was like ha, ha, ha. yes we don't like poor people here ha, ha. i mean his mom and dad are like Hmm, I mean, I mean, the kid's like, yeah, fuck him. He's lower than dirt. He'd have to, like, he, we wouldn't let him come through the front door. He'd have to go around the side entrance. And the grandfather's like, yeah, you well, fucking tell him. And the other thing that <laughs> it's, it's so fucking good. Well, and like oh. so much of the success of this opening montage is that it it explicitly tells you a lot of stuff, and it feels like maybe it's being blatant, but so much of it, there's a lot of storytelling in it that is. Uh, that is subtle. Yeah. Like, uh, it also introduces you to the fact that uh, all of the serving staff in the Amberson's house are black people. Uh, and, you know, so you get the... W- and with him going around dressed as all four masketeers, <laughs> you know, like, and you're like, oh, no, you are... This is how, at least at this point in film history, you bring the specter of slavery into a yeah. film um uh, and so then uh, after the scene where, where he's being disciplined it cuts to like a bunch more like talking heads in the town yeah being like oh you know well they'll send him off to college and that'll that'll, that'll teach him yeah. he'll, he'll he'll learn how to be a real man there yeah i mean it cuts immediately to him back in town now like 18 years old and he's driving a bigger carriage over town yeah. and he's just whipping people on the street <laughs> 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 He's the absolute worst. <laughs> it's so fucking... Um, 
<laughs> and then the montage ends with Cotton Eye Joseph Cotton <laughs> returning from from because he left the town once he couldn't marry Isabel. Yeah. To to he went off to kind of make his fortune. Yeah. And, and he and he's now becoming an automobile magnet and an yeah. magnate. Sorry, not a magnet. Yeah, no, an automobile magnet is the things you pick up cars to put them in crashes. <laughs> Yeah, so in in one of the scenes where he's trying Only to... Only one actor has gone on to be that. R2-G2. Yeah. So in, in, in one of the scenes in the montage where he's trying to woo Isabel, uh, he is he's driving the, the single funniest, like, steam-powered car, <laughs> which, like, oh, it's, it's it's so good. And, he, and he's, like, he's like, dri- he's, like, driving around town in this, in this ridiculous <laughs> little thing, trying, try, try like, trying, try, try like, like, interrupt her date with Wilbur so he can, like, get her back. And, is... and her and Wilbur both just, like, look at him just like, no. It is, uh, like, uh, in, in the past I've talked about how, like, a sign of a good film is that you could see an image from it and it could not be from any other film. <laughs> but this is one of six sequences in the film where if you show me an image from it i'll be like oh you've just desaturated chitty chitty bang bang (laughs) (laughs) which you know yeah it's good um that's a great thing to do um look as as someone who saw chitty chitty bang bang in the theater last year not 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 a not a fantastic movie oh why not uh, I, I like it's pro child catching agenda. Look, I, I, I've discussed before on the podcast. But I just, I just hate all English musicals. I, f- oh, yeah. I think they're, I think they're just all bad. But is a car that can fly thing? Look, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a fun idea. Yeah. And you know, there, there, there's, there's one character in that movie who's basically just Colonel Blimp. Um, Look, I just don't know how you can be mad at a film where the female lead's name is, is truly, is truly scrumptious. scrumptious. Like, you really tell that movie was fucking written by, by Ian Fleming. Yeah. He's like, okay, what, what's, what's, okay, what's, what's, what's pussy galore but for children? So Cotton Eye Joe returns to town, kind of, he doesn't say it, but he's there to be like, check it out, Ambersons, fuck you, I can make something of myself. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a daughter called Lucy. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, Lucy," oh. and then uh, George, the the, the now uh, growing up uh, version of the tiny shithead, we used to uh, beat up middle aged men. Yeah, just uh, taller shithead in more regular clothes. Yeah, the, how much? Okay, not that I want to know Orson Welles, but if he had stayed dressed as Louis the Fourteenth throughout the film, be like, be be pretty good. Then what happens then? So, George, he's walking around the party. He sees yep. Lucy. He's like... Oh, there's a big party. Yeah. There's a party that's been, been thrown for, for George. Like, yep. He's like, hey, you're back from university. Yep. We're all terrified of you. Here's yeah. a party. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a big party for George. Uh, Lu- Lu- Lucy and uh, what, what's what's Joseph Conn's character? Uh, yeah, Jean. Uh, yeah, I think Je- so. Jean Mo- Jean Morgan. Yeah, 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 sure. So, yeah, so... so, so, uh, so, so he's still so cotton. Sure. Sorry, Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton, cotton, cotton where did you come from? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? He came from the town. Because uh, the city, the town that it takes place in is never named and is kind of like any town USA. About, uh, right? No, I, I think at one point they, they drive past a sign. I think it's called like Victorville, maybe? Oh, yeah, but it's not, it's not a real yeah. place. Um, it, it, it's supposed to be kind of like so, so, it's it's supposed to be somewhere in the sort of like northeast. Yeah, it says it's, it's somewhere in like Massachusetts or whatever. All fucking rich creeps. Uh, yeah. So 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 they're at a party. Uh, George is introduced to 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 Jean, and he's introduced to Lucy, and he's like, 
I don't, I don't like her. I'm gonna uh, walk around and be be belligerent to her for several <laughs> yeah. hours. And yeah, this is this is peak um, uh, people being witty as being pissy in the past because so much of it. She's like, I'm not interested in you, and he's like, Well, I'm only interested in interest, and my interest pays dividends in love. <laughs> and she's like, Go away. And he's, except he, no, except he's just angry at her the whole time. Yeah. Like every time she says anything, he's like, What did you just say? <laughs> Well, who who's that person looking at you? Hmm. Yeah. He's just like he's just he's doing that the whole time. Uh, this is the period of the film where it seems that Orson Welles has forgotten that sometimes shots only need one or two people in them. It is him being like, "You like that deep focus cinematography? Well, check out deep this shit is." <laughs> There's always like twenty people in a shot, and yeah. it's great. Yeah, this movie was shot by the same guy who shot Night of a Hunter. Oh, yeah. good on him. Yeah, that dude good at, good at shooting movies. <laughs> yeah, he makes some good looking movies. Uh, yeah. So Jean and Isabella are sort of uh, getting reacquainted after not seeing each other for a couple of decades. There's still something between There's them. There's some magic in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so. Well, just to say that most of the flirting is card tricks. It's magic. Oh, magic, right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I, thought you were, I, I thought you were referencing a real thing from a movie that I missed. <laughs> no. Because, like, all Orson Welles does love magic. And, and so I was like, you know, where, 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 was, where was that scene? <laughs> no, yeah, the scene where he says uh, Isabella. The scene, the scene where Gene puts Is- Isabella inside a box and cuts her in half. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to. My pitch was going to be, Isabella, it's so good to see you. Uh, please apply these manacles to me and throw away the key. I'm, I'm going to get in this water tank. <laughs> I'm going to get in this water tank. Uh, and then it turns out the twist at the end of the Magnificent Ambersons that famously they cut and replaced with the happy ending, which is the happy ending from the book, is that every time he goes into the tank, he's actually dying and that David Bowie has built him a cloning machine. Yep. Mank. <laughs> Oh man, man, mank, but with the twists of the prestige. Orson Welles versus Herman Mankiewicz. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like did, there, there's a movie a few years ago that Don Cheadle made about Miles Davis, which is called Miles Ahead, which <laughs> which, which which is a. <laughs> Which is sort of actually about Miles Davis, but also about like Miles Davis like getting into trouble with gangsters and like having to go in like car chases and stuff. Because he was like, I just want to play Miles Davis. I'm not yeah. really that interested in jazz. It is like the promise of the premise of Abraham Lincoln Vampire yeah, Hunter yeah, yeah. that just, is not borne out by the film. Yeah, it's... yeah. So yeah, it's like a a, 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 mov- a movie where where Herman Mankiewicz and Orson Welles are having like a magic battle against each other would be so good. So the magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> Um, so there's this party, and there's also at the, well, I mean, the party is like the first half hour of the film. Yeah, um, uh, and there's also uh, people who work with the colonel who run the family being like, maybe we should diversify our stocks a bit, right? Maybe there's uh, there's uh, there's there's little hints that that maybe uh, uh, the future is not as bright as it's right. Seems oh yeah, yeah. There's like some talk about like. Maybe wanting to invest in in in, in Joseph Cotton's uh, automobile company, but they're like, no cars, no, 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 R- rubber no. tires. What's up with that? No, these cars will never take off. And then, and, but then they're like, have you heard of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? That car takes off. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Ah. <laughs> uh, so like Matt Gawley gets. Uh, uh, a full lifetime uh, pass. He doesn't need to say anything funny again because he <laughs> thought of saying it chitty chitty biang biang. 
Uh, if you've not heard of the Dead Authors Podcast, uh, don't. It's too good. <laughs> It'll make you feel le- think less about almost every other podcast, <laughs> with the one exception of, of course, this one, the best podcast. Yeah, sure. You know, we're the best podcast. Have you heard any other podcasts? I haven't. I presume we're the best. I've never heard a podcast. What's the pod? See, what I've been doing, when I've said I've been uploading these files... I've is you've been slowly erasing the, the, the <laughs> idea of other podcasts from your mind. <laughs> no, I've been buying Kinder Eggs, Kinder Surprises, eating the delicious two-tone chocolate, uh, uh, chocolatelle, and then getting the pod I mean, every from single the time you, you Every single time you choke on the pod, <laughs> and you think, oh no, I've done it again, and Brian has to Heimlich you. <laughs> yeah, but then once I've cast the pod from my mouth, I catch it, I open it, and I yell each episode into it from memory. <laughs> and then I cast it, which is to say, throw it into the sky that's why we're nominated for all the webbies do the webbies nominate podcasts no i think i think the the, the webbies is like is most like like it's like web is like web series and stuff oh uh, okay yeah well streamies no that's also that's the same thing are they the same no no, no they, okay. they, they, they 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 cover the same sort of thing they're both like online video so, oh no the worst kind of video yep no <laughs> No, I feel uh, like sna- like uh, uh, like to- uh, like murder videos. Yeah, you can find those online. I don't want to though. Yeah, yeah you're like was the internet on balance a mistake? So the magnificent ambassadors. Things, uh, uh, and this party is great opulence, and a key thing to know about this party, to rewind just a little, um, uh, is that it starts with this was the last great party yeah. at the Amberson House on Amberson Boulevard. Yeah. And just like every single movie we've watched about uh, about all-timey rich people, there is a scene <laughs> where two people who are not supposed to be like who, who, uh, two people who are not supposed to have feelings for each other because of because society wants to keep them apart uh, uh, start dancing and then they spin around and then there's a bunch of crossfades and they're still dancing. It's the only way to show it. It's so good. Um, yeah. Which, there, there, there is a scene where 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 Jean walks up to to, to Wilbur and Isabella and like hmm, Wilbur, may, may may I have Isabella for this dance? And then there's just a bunch of crossfades and then they're dancing at like two o'clock in the morning still. Yeah. And everyone else has gone to bed. It's a good bit of a good film. Yeah. Um. And and, and then after that, there is like so, kind so, of so like lo- lo- like uh, so 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 Lucy and George uh, start kind of like like start like uh, start like officially courting. Yeah. But he's always just a real shithead to her. I think, I think at, at, when she's leaving that party, he's like, "Tomorrow we're gonna go on a sleigh ride at two o'clock. Be ready yeah. outside your house at two o'clock." And she's like, "No, I'm not gonna do that." And he's like, "No, you fucking will." And she's like. No, I'm sure I'll be there. Uh, and it's on the way to the sleigh ride. Um, uh, uh, um, old Cotton Eye Joe is is, is showing everyone his 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 new automobile. And it, but it breaks down. It breaks down. It's not it's not working because it doesn't work in the <laughs> snow that great because the wheels are like like two inches wide and made of wood. Um, and it really does seem like there is a, 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 a it, it's great. There's some real good close-ups of the engine. Weird things. Like. Yeah. He's like he's cranking it, but it very much there's a slapstick logic to it that does not really recur through the rest of the film, because the rest of the film is kind of narrative and logical in a lot of ways. Where it's like everyone gets in the car and it breaks down, so he gets out and it's working again. Then he gets in the car and you're just like, you should just. It, there are too many people, mate. <laughs> Um, uh, and of course, D'Artagnan, uh, 
and Lucy go past and he yells his catchphrase, get a horse, get a horse. Get a horse. Uh, and um, Cotton Eye Joe is humiliated by this and he, mm. and they're pranking about uh, Lucy and D'Artagnan are having a pranking about in the snow. Yeah. Well, they, 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 they fall off their carriages. It goes around the corner. Yeah. To, uh, to, to, to just like, you know, there's like, you know, he, he just, you know, yelled like, hey, get a horse. Cause like he thinks, he thinks there's no future in his body automobile. So he just fell off his fucking horse. Yeah. You know, there's, I think the carriages might be a thing of the past soon. <laughs> but it turns into uh, uh, a kind of semi-romantic moment of them kind of like scuffling in the snow. Yeah. Um, which always, uh, like, it's a great moment. It's a great shorthand for people getting close to each other. Yep. But also whenever I see that, it's like. That's definitely not real snow. Snow's so cold. Like, when you fall into the snow, your first thought isn't like, oh, I should tumble with my boo. Your first thought is, I need to get away from this cold. Like, what's the opposite of fire, but it still feels like fire? <laughs> um, uh, fire, when you've been inverted in tenant, and that's how you can survive the car explosion. He's going, he's going backwards. Mm. He's, he's the first person to ever get hypothermia from... A fire. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Tenet, good movie. Yeah. Lots of fun. Best movie of the year. It is not the best movie of the year. I keep being like, am I going to make that argument just to annoy Finn? It won't won't annoy me. I'll just think you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, no, because it it kicks ass, and that's all it wants to do. Um, Uh, So then they all pile into the car, and and, and George George tries and gets in, and Gene's like, nah, you got to get out and push. you got to push the car. And he's like, "Mm, I'm, I'm pushing and then they try and stop a car up again, and there's just smoke coming out right into George's face, and he's just like, <laughs> and you're like, good. Yeah, you deserve this. You have 15 years of fucking horse-drawn hit-and-runs on poor people, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> like, I, I've just had this thought. I think I'm the first person to think it. We should eat the rich, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. But like, like metaphorically, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't just want to eat people. No, um, I, like I, oh, I'm not ready to get snow pierced yet. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, maybe like the way to the proper way to eat the rich would be to like blenderize them all, <laughs> and then just distribute them throughout all our water, so we're always just consuming just a little. You know, like we're, no, we're no, I'm not on board of this at all. So what I'm saying is, eat the rich brackets homeopathically. Close <laughs> brackets. <laughs> no, like to be clear, I just think that we should be in impri- like prisons should exist, but largely for people for avoiding tax, <laughs> and that there's a pretty clear solution to New Zealand's housing crisis, which is if rich people don't want to pay tax, uh, let's just take their empty houses. Yeah, yeah, do it, Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. Who's Jacinda. Oh, I've just never heard her. I was like, I'll, 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 I'll try a new one. I mean, people go, Cindy? Nah, not going to do that. But, like, Obvious. also, like, Cindy is, is a meme emerged from uh, uh, cunts being sexist. Yeah, yeah. When I want to make clear that all my issues with her uh, uh, have nothing to do with the fact of her gender it has the fact to do that uh she's a spineless coward who uh espouses views and then even with the most political capital in the, the history, was ever had in this country in this country is just like i'll declare a climate emergency we'll fix everything by 2025 and then they release all these plans that won't do that and being like oh well the country didn't vote for a capital gains tax and it's like what? but you how dare you <laughs> 
I want to make a Christmas carol, but it is Jacinda Ardern from the 2017 campaign. One of them is her from the previous campaign. One of them is Michael Joseph Savage. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get a fucking picture off your disc. And, and, and uh, one is... Uh, who's someone fam- else famous from Morinsville? <laughs> Morin, I presume? Yeah, Mo- yeah. Mr. Morin. Oh, please. We don't... We, let, let's, not, let's not determine Morin's gender. Yeah, sure. Mo- <laughs> sure, a, a town of rural New Zealand is named after a woman. Uh, I was like, there must be a town that's... An- we don't Queen, ha- Queenstown. There, you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, because <we> t- <laughs> my brain was going like, there must be a, a, a Virginia, a Victoria, or a, or a, son, a, a Elizabeth, but probably. Mm. But like, none of those towns get the Ville treatment. True. Yeah. That's how you know you've yeah, made the, it. The, the, the only place I got that was Elizabethtown. <laughs> yeah. The place we all want to visit. I Well, like, let me tell you about Elizabethtown. Uh... If you want to go there, the women are incredible. (laughs) Almost like they're a fancy of a weird older man. The Orlandos are always in bloom. (laughs) Please, his name is Orlando Bland. (laughs) That's unfair. He's been in good films. Yeah, and he's even been good in some things. I didn't say that. I, I know you didn't. I did. All the pieces are in place, and yeah. the 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 and middle of the film is essentially a dinner, people having dinner, and these two kind of conflicting, somewhat tortured romances. Yeah, um, yeah. So our, our main conflict is that George wants to marry Lucy, and she doesn't really want to marry him because he's like a near do well and doesn't really have any yeah. concept of what he, what he <laughs> wants to do with his life. And also, he's a a, a, a real uh, <laughs> yeah. dickhead, and, and but um, he doesn't seem like someone who who marriage would improve. Yeah, and then like pretty early in the film, Wilbur uh, George's dad dies. Yeah, and then Jean and and Isabella start getting close again, yeah. and George is horrified by this because he sees George, uh, he sees Jean as someone who, who's like below their station. Yeah, and and so he he doesn't want his mother to to ruin her good name by 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 potentially marrying this man. And we get a a, a kind of repeat of the sequence of him being turned away at the door from. The opening montage, yeah. but this time it is D'Artagnan doing it at the door, yeah. Um, uh, which is good, and then this kind of and, and then it becomes kind of more and more clear that a lot of the Amberson's investments are, are failing or not paying out, yeah. They're, they're told they have to diversify, they have to, well, well, so, um, uh, so. Uh, so it's not. Uh, so it's not just the Amazons. It's also the the. Uh, it's also the 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 Minifers, yeah. which is the family that, that Isabella married into. Oh yeah, and and in my head they're all Amazons. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Essentially, but yeah. So the 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 uh, since Wilbur died, the family finances of the Minifers are being run by uh, by by George's aunt, uh, yeah. uh, who's called Fanny, who is a spinster. Like yeah. like like all uh, uh, like like all thirty-seven-year-old women in movies from the forties. Yeah. Uh, Her life's over. Yep. All she got to do is count beans. She's basically a corpse, and I... and not even a corpse bride. <laughs> <laughs> Always a corpse, and never a corpse bride. Look at what a certainly a film. Yep. N- 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 never seen it. It's exactly how you expect it to be. Yeah. Beautifully animated. Yeah. Is a uh, no. Can't be bothered. <laughs> not not entertaining. Go on. <laughs> Um, uh, and well, and yeah, and it kind of builds, uh, and then 
um, there are, uh, uh, there's a big dinner scene where kind of everyone is, uh, not everyone is together, but like the major members of, of all the families are there and kind of the conflict between them builds to, to the Colonel. Colonel Amberson just goes on this and, and, and that Cotton Eye Joe is there kind of being like, hey, you know what you could do? Invest in cars. They seem to be the future. Uh, and Colonel uh, Amberson goes on this incredible tear being like, no, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, no to cars, just a fad, they'll go away. They're, they're never going to make a sequel. Yeah. In the year 2000, computers will be the size of a room and there'll be one in every neighbourhood. <laughs> you won't need it. Light, Lightning McQueen's never going to be a marketable character. The COVID case count will be zero by March 2020. You, you, Yuva's never gonna destroy his his like all, all time most watched actors list by <laughs> by accidentally putting uh what's his face in there? <laughs> Major, Major, what's fucking Major called? Larry the cable, L- Larry guy. the cable guy. Context for that, my mo- uh, um I I uh, um I haven't really done a good tear of going back and marking films prior to my letterboxed run. Um, as watched on yeah. Letterbox, uh, and so my fourth most watched actor is Larry the Cable Guy because uh, I have watched all of the like twenty to thirty Mater centric Cars spinoff shorts, um, which really like people... and and right now Yuva is going to rank all of them. <laughs> um, absolutely not. I do want to make the point. Uh, that like for all the jokes people can make about like cars doesn't make sense why are they like yeah. cars where are the people oh it's because it's after the apocalypse the world the more of the world that you see yeah in, in the mater shorts just like you see a fire engine which has a ladder on the back who is the yeah. ladder and for? now in, in in the one where he goes to, like tip over some cows yeah. uh, are, are those real cows or are they car cows they're car cows I okay believe. Um, so, so like some some cars just like don't have sentience at all, yeah. and some cars do. Yeah, I don't think sentience would matter to a character played by Larry the Cable Guy as to whether he should attack them or not. Oh, it was a fly. I just thought you were seeing a ghost. Um, yep. Uh, oh, it's Jack Fincher. I thought <laughs> <laughs> so you said Jack Reacher. Oh. Uh. I mean, like the one thing that would improve Jack Reacher as a character for me is if he was also spectral. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say if he was all those spec writing scripts. Uh, and, and as the older generation in, in, in the wider Magnificent Ambersons family, um, they start to, to age and, and no. <laughs> a couple die off screen, right? Yeah. Uh, and they and they start really facing some pretty big financial troubles. And we get a lot of good shots of kind of them in close up with Orson Welles being like, and then he reflected on all the failings of his life, and it's just a yeah. brilliant moment of pure cinema. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so there, there, there is a a uh, uh, is a sequence where 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 where, where George and, and and Isabella they go off to Europe for a while, yeah, uh, because because uh, George is so angry that his that his mum is like a fully realized person who exists and has feelings for someone who isn't his deceased father. Yeah. And uh, he just cannot cannot handle that. So she's like, fine, we'll go to Europe so you'll stop uh, fucking whining and trying to ruin my life, you yeah. weirdo. And uh, they go to Europe for a while. Oh, there's also there's the, the, the scene where, where George is saying goodbye to Lucy. Remind me. It's the scene where they're, they're like, last time they're, they're like walking through the street together. Oh, and yeah, yeah. and he's saying like, so Lucy, this is, this is goodbye. And she's like, oh, 
okay, bye. No. And he's like, I'm going off to Europe. I may I may never see you again. And she's like, well, I hope you have a great time. Yeah, later. Like, this, this is our last walk together. And she's like, oh, really? Okay. So, you know, once I once I walk once I walk off today, I may never see you again. For we've made no plans to return. And she's like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. And like, like he 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 just he he just he wants her to be in love with him so badly. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Bye. Yeah. Please leave. Uh, and then he does. And then there's a bit of a time dash. Yeah. There are several. We we've skipped over, I think, one or two times dash yeah, yeah. as well. But yeah, so they 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 go up to Europe. They're, they're in France for a while. Oh um, well, yes, because when Cotton Eye Joe first comes back, it's like I'm investing in this car thing. And people are like cars. Uh, and then there's a time dash, and it's like and, and he's like yeah, he's got like proper cars now. Yeah. Yeah, and so um uh so. Uh, so uh, at one point, Jack, who is Isabella's brother, goes over to Europe to to see them, and he comes back and he's talking to 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 Lucy yeah. and and Jean, and he's like, "Oh, she's uh, she's not looking good. Uh, she's she's real sick." Yeah. And and uh, and and George like won't won't let her come back, but then eventually they they do come back, and uh, uh, and 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 Isabella dies almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, and 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 she sucks. yeah and she she is not able to see Jean because the the one time that that Jean comes over to to, to visit her because he he wants to like say his goodbyes to her uh, George uh, uh, won't let him into the house oh and then he gets in and they they tell him not to go up there anyway right yeah 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 it, it, it's uh, it sucks and they're yeah. all giving him a party line which would just would not be best for now which is you kind of see that the whole in this time. The family has now firmly come under uh, D'Artagnan, which is to say George's thumb. Yeah. Um, uh, which is not a good turnout for the Ambersons. But luckily, mm-hmm. everything's going great for them financially. <laughs> Record scratch. Uh, it's not. Yeah. So so Isabella dies, and the deed to the house was in her name. And, and no one knows where the deed is now because her dad, the, the, the colonel, is... Just like a, is 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 just like a a doddering old man now and doesn't re- and doesn't know where he put anything, uh. And so they're they're all just like, oh, we might lose the house. We don't know where it is. George, George should have it, maybe I guess, but uh, we, we we don't know how to give it to him. And uh, and, uh, and, and at this and, point, and you kind of feel a bit of like, I felt a little bit of sympathy at George for this point because mm. he's trying. Well, like he. He he is beginning to realize the gravity of the situation his family is in, yeah, and, and is desperately like at least he's trying to pull the hard yards to get shit back in yeah, order, yeah, yeah. But, but, it, but it's not working. Yeah, there's a scene where him and his aunt Fanny have have moved have like moved moved out of the, the like Amazon mansion and in, into yeah. into their own place, and and uh, and and this is where we find out that that their family's finances have all just gone to shit, yeah, and they've got like a hundred dollars left, and they. They 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 they're trying to figure out how much money they're, they're going to need like each, each month, and uh, 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 and 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 George uh, has has to, like give give up the, the job he was just about to start as a lawyer. He's like, is it like a trainee lawyer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's he's like he's he's just about to start. He's just about to start his like first ever job, yeah. and he has to tell his boss, "No, I I can't do this because I have to t- I have to take a job that will start paying me like immediately." And so he goes and works in a dynamite factory. <laughs> Which is, uh, and we're like, not talking about just a good factory. We're talking no, about this a factory is a factory that, that, that produces the song "Dynamite" by Tayo Cruz. <laughs> um, uh, the scene where Fanny tells him that that the money's kind of fucked, uh, and, and basically because she made a bunch of poor decisions, but was too uh, drunk on pride to ever yeah. tell anyone. 
is an incredible piece of screen acting, I think. And yeah. The clear highlight of the film of this, of just a woman having, she, she's leaning against a boiler and he's like, don't lean against the boiler, it's hot. And she goes like, no, it's cold. We've got no money. They cut it off. And, and it is just this weird, like kind of sex solo of, of a woman both hating and pitying herself in a moment and it it's just yeah. a, I just wanted to to, to note it. It's yeah, great. It's it just good. reminds you how how great actress Moorhead is. <laughs> she she she's real good. And this was her first film, I think. No, no, she 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 was she was in Kane. But she she she, she she's not in a lot of she, yeah, but she yeah. she was one of her like regular Mercury Theatre uh, players. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she she she, she definitely did stage and radio. But yeah. this was like her first Certainly, her first like major role in a film. Yeah, but I, I, I she I, kills I, it. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I know she was in Kane, but I can't really remember what she does in it. Yeah, Raising Kane, the film I cannot the, remember the, any the, other the, details about. Directed by Brian De Palma, starring John Lithgow. Oh, oh. There's, all, I mean, there's, there's more than one film called Raising Kane, but that's the main one. Why wasn't Mank called Raising Kane? In Citizen Kane, Angus Smallhead plays Kane's mother. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, so she's only in like two two or three scenes of that. Yeah, and largely upstaged by a sled. <laughs> and a child playing with a sled. But how many times in my life have I been upstaged by a sled? It's yeah. perpetual. Yeah. The thi- I, 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 every single time. Like, you, you just gotta, you've got to stop like put, putting on shows in winter. <laughs> Like if, if if every single time you like you like hey guys there's there's a new there's a new there's a new you for Dean production everyone's like oh we could go see that oh <laughs> but look at young Jimothy over there okay here's my here's my punch up pitch on nope. that on that scenario here's my core audience which is to say nervous nerds uh, uh, who like seeing a white man talk about his feelings or write plays and get other people to talk about his feelings you know they're getting ready to leave their uh, expensive rental house. They're going out the door, so excited to go see Uther Dean's new play. It's got a very long name, uh, and uh, if everything is surrounded by me and my sister <laughs> to tell each other everything, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they open the door. Who's this at the door? It's a sled, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, what's this sled doing here? We'll just put it inside." They put it inside, open the door, sleds there, <laughs> and they can't get out. The sled, like, like we're we're climbing out the window. Yeah. They go to climb out the window, <laughs> just sleds. Yeah, then there's that classic song. It's raining sleds. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, one of them gets so desperate, trapped in this house for days with sleds, they they try to kill themselves. But as they cut their wrist inside them, sled. Oh. They're, a sl- they're a sled now. We were a sled oh. all along. So uh, everything kind of hits a down point. And yeah. even... Um, G- George gets in a car crash. Yeah. And Gene is like, he's doing really well, but he's lost... Isabel, and so his heart is broken. Yeah, and, and he's also feeling kind of guilty about the fact that so many people are dying in car crashes. Yeah, and, and like this it's is... a real the end of the wind rises. Oh yeah, where the main character is sad about the fact that the plane he built was used to uh, kill uh, hundreds of thousands of people. But with uh, uh, George now unable to support Fanny, mm-hmm. like it looks like the Ambersons are now finally just absolutely destitute. And then we get the happy ending, the ending of the book, but not Will's intended yeah. ending, which is where uh, Cotton Eye Joe is like, you know, I always said I would love and look after Isabel, and, and I, I will keep that vow. Like, the the implication being he'll help the Ambersons out. Right, yeah. Uh, and then we get the best 
in credit sequence of all time. Yeah, w- w- which which is like which is which is all which is um so yeah so so for 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 we've had Orson Welles narrating and then at the end it's revealed that Orson Welles was narrating as a narrator. He was narrating as Orson Welles. And and he so and and so yeah so he 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 narrates the credits but there's no there's no like title cards or anything it's yeah. just like he's just like a shot of a person and Orson Welles saying what they did or there's like a shot of a camera and Orson Welles saying who the cinematographer was and yeah it's, it's just there's like an entire like visual yeah entire like like. And told entirely through like pictures and and Orson Welles' voice and, and, it, and it's, it ends it's with, lovely. Uh, it was I wrote and directed the film. And my name is Orson Welles, yeah. and that's it, it, the it, end. It's, like of... it's it, like it's a reveal. It's so good. <laughs> he was Orson Welles all along. <laughs> what? Um, and it's it, yeah, it's just so. It seems so weird that it is the most signed film by him. You know, like right. Yes, uh, yes. It, 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 it seems to be demanding the most ownership when when there is the least uh, mm. in a way, but um. And it is interesting to look at thinking, like, what more could this have contained? But, yeah, part of me is still, like, I think there was more of this. Yeah. I don't think, and, and like, I think. But, like, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel like greed, where you, where you yeah. can tell, like, what was cut out, and you can tell that it's, it's an incomplete film, which is kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. From just like what I've heard about about Ambassadors over over the years. Well, I like I I like I think it is like yeah because the intention was that the film was to end with the Ambersons no longer being <laughs> magnificent and just kind yeah. of falling apart and um and, and Cotton Eye Joe being like oh, at least I got my money like I I backed cars you yeah. know um and, and that. It's kind of about how the old ways have to die in yes. the face of the new ways, but the new ways aren't always good. And I, I think there, I, I suspect my my take is that a lot of the cut footage is is more towards that theme and like a lot darker, right? Yeah, uh, in that like so much of the joy of the film as it currently exists is how the tone is so light in so much of it. You could very easily pitch that it's essentially a screwball comedy, yeah. especially with how happy the ending. Ends up well, not how well, like the fact that it has a happy ending that's kind of about oh, you know, she died, but I can find a way to honor our love in a kind of misty eyed way. Um, uh, and that's thing. And I'm just not sure if this film being darker and meaner helps it make its point. Like, I get it, Mm. and like that's the reason why I'm like, it's um, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like the non magnificent Amber Sevens, (laughs) but it is, it is like my, my my quote unquote issue and it's not really an issue is that like i get it from like 10 minutes in like i got it i know where you're going at this and it doesn't there isn't enough in how it explores like there is that sense of like it is an inevitable doubt it's the agira thing where it is like you know how this is going to end 10 minutes 20 minutes in yeah and then there's the horror of watching how badly it goes. It is just that sense of being like, oh, I predicted this and it and it's happening. And I don't think there is anything in that in that kind of descent or uh, and or ascent that adds anything to the original point. Right. But yeah, no, like it's still a four star film. It yeah, still yeah. looks incredible and the performances yeah, are great. There are so many parts of the movie where people are just walking through pitch dark 
and it just looks like there are these like silhouettes moving through through the screen. It's yeah, it looks like someone's moving like paper cutouts through through the screen. Well, and this is where I presume that at least one of the cut scenes was, you know, George coming back from his time away and being like, "Mum, Dad, we need to talk about the lighting <laughs> in our house. Some of it's beautifully lit, but there are whole corners of this room I cannot see." And his parents are like, no, we're trying to do it Barry Lyndon style, but we ran out of money for candles. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not about the amount of candles, it's how many wicks they have, right? Like, that was the Barry, Lin- Barry Lyndon trick. That they, it? Du- they triple wicked each candle. Oh. And obviously had the 0.85 aperture on the, on the it's camera. Correct, yep. Or 75, maybe? No, no, you got it right the first time. Oh, okay, sweet ass, Doug. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> well, well, uh, I, I was about to say I love knowing things about cameras, but I don't love it. It's just a compulsion I have that is now just out of control. If you love knowing things about cameras, uh, go read uh, Sean Baker's Letterboxd reviews, <laughs> every single one of which opens with a, a, a description of the lenses that were used on the movie. Or, or if you love knowing things about cameras and lenses, just go on YouTube and search like, Sad man <laughs> reviewing cameras. Oh, no. Like, there are those, but there is also, like, I found a new wave of things I hate more, which is guys being like, oh, what's up, yeah. guys? Uh, it's me, and, like, this week I'm checking out the Black Magic Pocket Cinema Camera 6 game. You know I'm chucking a speed booster on it. Now I'm going to go out and shoot a film, and then what they go out and shoot with their model friends is essentially ads. They're like, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. Make art now. And what they shoot is like product and package shots. And I'm not saying the art has to be narrative, but being like, yeah, I got the widest lens currently available, the widest aperture lens, so I could shoot a film entirely by moonlight. And then that film being like attractive bird-faced waif women putting their hands in front of the light and going in and out of focus. And then there's someone with fucking fire poi there. It's like, <laughs> you're not making art. You are making a show demo for computer screens. Yeah. Like, geez, like... And, and then they're always like, oh, gotta have my coffee. And it's like, oh, no, live. You don't need to perform your masculinity in such a way. And, like, I understand that you're, oh, I hate them. I hate them. I keep watching. Oh, of course, I keep watching. So, Finn, the Magnificent Ambersons, is it Magnificent or Ambershite? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, all, all, all those two are close to magnificent. <laughs> yeah, no. it, it's, it's it's sound. It, it's very good. Yeah. It, it's not. It's not my favorite Wells. No. Um, <laughs> I feel like it, this film largely exists so that people can claim it's their favorite Wells film, just so you can know not to value their opinion on any other topic. But yeah, like I always love seeing a film that I've never seen before, yeah. and it it's it's I, lo- I love Joseph Cotton. Well, he, he's he's great, and so much of it, and of course, like so much of the power uh, is uh, of his work is through yeah his control of synthesis, knowing the people to work with, mm. or, and knowing how to work with them, and so everything feels effortless. Like yeah. We talked about that big opening party with all the deep focus shots, and the thing is, like I'm tuned to look for these things because I'm broken. But it's just this effortless like choreography of swirling people dancing and people talking and you always understand and it's yeah it's it's magnificent yeah. of those two options. Uh, so Finn, I've been thinking a lot about Citizen Kane. Mank. And, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be Mank? To if we manked a Mank called Mank. 
If we made Citizen Mank Kane or Mank, but it's about the writing of Citizen Kane. Mank. <laughs> this is your new catchphrase. Wait, sorry, we just say Mank so many fucking times. They say so many times, and it is like official. Its official listing on Netflix has the name in capital letters. Yeah, even though in the film it is not. No, on the screen it is not. Um, and this is. This is David Fincher, a director who is uh, often at the mercy of his scripts, mm. uh, I would say. Uh, his greatest films are the ones with the best scripts, and his worst ones have scripts written uh, hypothetically by Eric Roth. <laughs> uh, but enough about the curious case of Benjamin Button. Uh, 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 but the connection there is uh, Eric Roth did a polish on on on, on um, Fincher's dad script for Mank. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so we 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 should talk about where where Mank came from. Yeah. So uh, so 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 Mank is a uh, uh, based on uh, it's a, a script written by Jack Fincher, yeah. who is David Fincher's dad, who died in two thousand three. Very it's sad. It's a, a script that he wrote in in, in the nineties, which is uh, based uh, in part on a famous essay by Pauline Kael about the authorship of Citizen Kane. Um, and which you know is a controversy because it has its own Wikipedia page mm -hmm. uh, on um uh. uh <laughs> on the whole just the controversy of the authorship yeah and so i'm, I'm not i'm not like i i've not read uh, i've not read uh, uh kale's essay because i i've i don't know I've, I've never really read much of her stuff it's good yeah 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 like i i i i i know i know she's good i know i know that i should read more of her stuff goes down easy it's a real kale smoothie <laughs> but but um yeah, yeah so from 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 what I can tell her uh, she she based she says that like pretty much the entire writing of Citizen Kane was the work of 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 Herman J Mankiewicz yeah and uh, uh, and other other people dispute that well and there and like it, it it like it's a tough debate to kind of get into because the main person arguing the other side is Peter Bogdanovich yeah and you don't and, and if you get on his if you get on the wrong side of him he's going to targets you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is it is kind of hard to be and be like uh, in this debate both Pauline Kale and Peter Bogdanovich one of the luminaries of of the cinematic art form and Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> both hey, he, have he, he, he he made what's up doc I like the cat's meow Eddie is out as Charles Chaplin um, uh, Kirsten Dunst as Amanda Seyfried in Mank. <laughs> uh, um, what's his name from Gilmore Girls as Charles Dance in Game of Thrones in mm. Mank? What's his name? Edward Herman. Okay. Yeah, he plays Hurst. Uh, that's right. good. Um, uh, chick, 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 chick. But it, it, it does very much seem like kind of an argument over crediting because so much of, uh, RKO gave RKO pictures gave Wells this incredible contract being like, you don't just have final cut, you've got final everything. Yeah. Uh, he even had final draft software several years before Alan Turing invented yeah, what we they, today call computers. Yeah, they gave him an avid. And, and and that was on the basis of he was this 23, 24-year-old wonderkind, uh, lighting up Broadway, lighting up the, the airwaves. He was a writer. He was the writer. He was the director. He was the performer. Yeah. And it was always, like, especially with the radio stuff, he was very rarely the writer. Um, possibly, if at all. Right. Th there are big questions about that. Uh, and so when Mank uh, um, was hired to, to work with him on what became Citizen Kane and started out being called American. Um, like the deal was always, you're going to write a draft 
and then Orson Welles, you're going to write something because Orson Welles is so busy and he'll kind of polish it and he will get the author credit because kind of the whole patch of Orson Welles is that you want starring yes, written yeah. by and directed by. You want like the sense of him really being someone who does not know how to delegate. Yeah. And, and again, like that's part of, part of the myth of him and that a lot of the conflict that followed personally between the two of them was about crediting yeah because like the the files are like archeo's script development files are public right they both pretty clearly contributed a lot to what the film is and that wells had a lot of structural ideas and the kind of scenes he wanted to make and that mank was probably the person who brought hearst into it you didn't know just to explain on a film podcast uh citizen kane is largely uh uh, a fictionalization uh, of the life of charles randolph hearst william randolph william randolph hearst charles dance i'm thinking of charles dance um even though there are other people in the mix not that Mm. mank would let you know that um and and mank of course knew hearst and, and and knew his wife who's Amanda Seyfried from Mean Girls and Mank. Um, and, 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 and in time, <laughs> starring Justin right. Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Uh, uh, and of course... And Jennifer's Body. What is that Clive Owen film she's in? Ooh. I want it's not called Mute, but it's where there it it's 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 a it, it's trying to be Black Mirror. It doesn't matter. It's fine. No, 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 no. This is important. <laughs> I mean, what? Like, here is the, but but what? But Mank's take on it is kind of pretty much that uh, Mank wrote Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is good because of the script, and Citizen Kane is good because of the script and that's because mank is the coolest fucking dude in the world and like sure he had a bit of a drinking problem but everyone around him was like oh alcoholism is just the fuel for this genius this yeah. script it's the best script i've ever written it will be a great film i love its non-linear story a lot of mank has spent telling you how good citizen kane is and yep. i'm not going to debate that right yep but I, but it, 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 it's also a film that makes you feel how good Citizen Kane is because it does a lot of things that Citizen Kane does, but worse. Well, and it does a lot of things that all like. Look, I said to you during this is that almost my biggest problem with Mank is that it's not a film that exists to say anything. It's a film that exists to make people feel smart. Yeah, like yeah, when when Orson Welles first appears in the film. He walks in and he's wearing his outfit from F for Fake, and that is F is for Fake. Well, F for Fake, it doesn't fucking F for Fake. Uh, And you were like, oh, like an F for Fake, yeah. And you're just like, oh, but that's it. That's kind of it. And like, there's a bit later where Wells gets angry and smashes something, like Kane does in Citizen Kane. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Manglitz is like, hmm, oh, I should put this in Citizen Kane. And you're just like, okay, like I get it, and. And you're like, like there is something to the idea of making a film about making Citizen Kane, where like where Orson Welles is, like where Orson Welles is is Kane, and like that that like that's an interesting idea if you want to do that. But like there is one scene of that, and he yeah, and like yeah, that's interesting. And like Orson Welles is a legitimately interesting person. Mank was a legitimately interesting yeah. person. Everyone in this film make is a, a movie legi- about them having a magic battle. Um. <laughs> A magic battle. Yeah, like in a prestige. Oh, I, right. No, I thought you... My head was Magic the Gathering. <laughs> like, also, also a movie I'd watch. Mankick the Gathering. Um, and it is just this film that is so... This film is so nostalgic for it. 
a time when it, it, it just loves all of its characters too much in a way that is quite endearing. But you're like, all of these people are fucking monsters. <laughs> And I'm sick of them acting like a monster and then the scene ending or the next scene being their beleaguered wife or girlfriend being like, oh, but you are a genius. Yeah. And you're just like, no, like actually let them be shit. Like making a film about how maybe they were bit shitty people doesn't make Citizen Kane worse. Yeah. And like it makes Citizen Kane more interesting. It's so weird. Well, yeah, you say I've been talking for a while. Yeah. So I'm going to stop talking in a moment, so you can talk for a bit. Cool. Uh, I'll do it in a minute. I'll do it a few seconds from now. I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mank stars Gareth e. Oldman yep. as Mank. Yep, Gary Newman's finally grown up. Yeah, now he's, he's now a Gary Oldman. And he is, it does seem like he, he this, has... This, this, this movie... <laughs> Uh, doesn't realize how old Gary Oldman looks, <laughs> and yeah, he... the, 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 this movie takes place o- 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 over at, at like o- over at like a uh, tw- 12 year period. The like early stuff we see is in like nineteen thirty. The latest stuff we see is in uh, nineteen forty two. Yeah, and uh, throughout the entire time, you're like, oh yeah, Gary Oldman looks like looks like the same age as Gary Oldman. You yeah. know, he's like kind of mid fifties or like kind of early sixties. And then, at, at, at like, like part, part through the film, he says, you know, I'm only 43 years old. And you're like, no, you're not. Stop <laughs> lying to us, Gary. And, well, and they have him in makeup. and But it's this very Oh, odd... sorry. So the, 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 the other thing is his wife in the movie is played by Tuppence Middleton. Yeah. And uh, she's supposed to be the same age as Gary Oldman. <laughs> wait, no, what? Yeah. Like, okay, so, wait. And, and the, the, there is a point where he says, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be married for, like, 20 years. <laughs> oh, okay. And, 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 and you're like, okay, so, like, if if she if she was eighteen when you when when you were married, yeah. then she is uh then she's thirty eight now and Thomas Middleton is not fucking thirty eight years she old. Is... She she's like she's she's like thirty years old. Well, maybe and, like a little bit older. Yeah, well now and uh, she, she's like early thirties. I don't I don't think her real age is material. It is the fact that I up up until you told me now, I was like Oh, like, I, I kind of like how this film portrays all these older men with much younger wives and, and like, often on their second or third wife mm. who are much younger than them. And it was just like, oh, no, the film just doesn't know how old people no. look. Because, yeah, G- G- Gary Oldman uh, is in makeup throughout that looks very much like the what he would look like going home after shooting The Darkest Hour. Like, they've wiped the majority of it off, but there's still some jowls. He's he's very jowly in this, um, uh, and it's just yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think uh, Charles Dance is the only person who's not pretty heavily made up in this film, uh, and that's because if you put makeup on Charles Dance, the makeup would scream and run away. Like he's that's a craggy face, yeah. or it would just be absorbed into all the beautiful contours of his skin. Well, and, and, and it's because he already looks like the kind of like he, he already looks like the platonic ideal of of, a, of an evil plu- of an evil plutocrat. Yeah, slash haunted doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this film uh, loves to hop around in time. Oh, it's here now. It's here. Well, it's no, going no, back no. And this film loves to talk about the brilliant non-linear storytelling of Citizen Kane, yep. which uh, I agree with. I think one of the strongest things about Citizen Kane is how it doesn't hold your hand yeah. in terms of non-linear storytelling um, and, and clearly kind of pimping itself being like it's you know only good films have non-linear storytelling but it doesn't really have non-linear storytelling it has 
two narratives that are offset in time. Yeah. So all the flashbacks uh, occur in a linear fashion from 1930 to uh, 1937, and then there's the stuff in the present day. Yeah, it doesn't, in, in, it doesn't, like, in like 1940. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't hop around, and it is... Yeah. And it but is, like it, 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 it feels like it does, uh, at least to me. It, it, it felt like really kind of weirdly structured, and it's kind of... Time hopping and and even though every time it uh, it go it does like a flashback it has like a um it has like a, a script they be like yeah. exterior such and such nineteen thirty three flashback yeah and, like and, as twere it being typed on the screen yeah and there's like fun typing sound effects uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> okay pause what's fun about them oh look I just needed another word for that sentence okay great sweet as <laughs> I'm I'm glad I found you out as the dissembler you are. Yeah. Look, that, that that's every episode is 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 you revealing what a dissembler I am. Imagine if they were fun, full stop sound effects, which is to say, music by the band Fun, full stop. Uh, worst movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by 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 like a lot. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. So yeah. So even though it tells you. The the year and usually the the like month that each flashback is happening, the like interactions people were having and and the like ways it was structured still felt like it was much more nonlinear than than it, than it actually is. Well, uh, that is because uh, as, as all Fincher films uh, live or die on their screenplay, mm. uh, this film when it dies, it dies because of its screenplay. Yeah. Um. And, and that I, I'm very. Like I think, you know, you know who should have taken a pass on this? <laughs> what is it? Mank. <laughs> um. Well, like the person who took a pass on it was the guy who wrote the Curious Case of Benjamin yeah. Button, where you're like, mate, nah. And, and like, it, it seems like most of his pass was to soften how much um Jack Finch's script was like, fuck you. Mank should be the only author on Citizen Kane because okay. there are a couple of really telling bits where where they are like there are a couple of quite weirdly out of character and out of tone bits where it's like, uh, oh you know what we agreed, Mank, uh, you write the pages and I'll put them through my typewriter, and then Mank's like, yeah, like we always agreed, <laughs> and you're just like, oh okay, yeah, that's that's someone just being like, that's a post-it note with mention that Wills was always going to do a rewrite yeah. crossed off on it there. And yeah, so in the two timelines, you have Mank working in, in the in the studio system in the 30s, starting in the Depression era, when sound films are just coming in, and his experiences in the film industry, specifically focusing on his relationship with, with Louis B. Mayer, uh, the, the head of MGM, and with William Randolph Hearst. Who, uh, and he, m- more specifically with, with Marion's surname, M- his M- wife. M- Mar- Marion Davies. Yeah. Um, uh, who, who, uh, yeah. Who, who's a famous actress and also the, the, like, the, uh, the, the wife of, 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 of Hearst. But also very much an actress uh, who uh, did well in comic roles hmm. and then was increasingly pushed by Hearst into uh, bigger films that he bankrolled and yeah. did not do well because she didn't have the range, yeah. um, uh, which is a plot you may recognize from a, a certain number two on the BFI Top 100 list, Citizen Kane. Um, and so it is, it is interesting because it feels to me like this film really is trying to center Mank and Marion's relationship. Yeah. And they have a lot of scenes together. They certainly do. Uh, 
but they all feel incredibly plotty rather than character-based. Like, they they meet at a party and then they go and walk around some CGI animals at San Simeon. Yeah. Some, like, you usually things being, like, uh, uh, in, in, like, darkness... And like not not a whole lot of like color and stuff. It, it's good at hiding. C- it's good at hiding like cheap CGI. Oh, it's not even that. It's I think it's good CGI. I think the problem is is that 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 Fincher has done such well. Fincher and his team yeah. have done such a job to recreate the look in some ways. Like you know, there are fake fucking cigarette burns at the end of reels. And right. Style. Yeah. Yeah. Every scene that ends in a fade or a crossfade is um is deliberately digitally degraded more because in the past it would have gone through more optical printings. Right. And, and, and that that you can't, you kind of have to make it for real. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do understand that you don't like, if you don't, I feel like we should just leave giraffes to do what they want. Like, sure. Know? But, but also the giraffes look bad. Well, like if you can deal with having Gary Oldman on a set, you can deal with some giraffes, you know? Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> Yeah, so then, then the uh, oh, so uh, oh. is that, but like that conversation, which like almost in my memory of the film is kind of about them meeting and getting to know each other, but is really about her telling him some some things that we know end up in Citizen Kane, yeah. and then him explaining to her Dulcinea and um Don Don Quixote Don Don Quixote by old Cervantes yeah. M- Mickey C. And which is not really a character moment because it doesn't actually tell us that much about her. And what that's really there to do is so that at the end when he goes on a drunken rant and is uh, uh, pitching a film clearly to insult Hearst, yeah. uh, when he mentions Dulcinea, she has a reason to be upset too. Yeah. And, it, and so it is like how centered that relationship is when it is kind of like, well, it does not help that they do not really have chemistry. And it is... And I, and it is, yeah, it's interesting, like, the stories of, like, Fincher coached Amanda Seyfried through a hundred of takes of something. Yeah. And when it just feels like, no, it's because no one is organically being a person in in this. Yeah, every performance is so, like, hey, we're in the 1940s, see? Yeah. We're making we're making pictures in our 40s. Well, and, it, and it's so in love with both that, that time and that tone. Yeah. That that kind of swamps out any kind of realism, and if you're like me, where I'm like, oh, that that era was kind of terrible, <laughs> and, and especially these people within that era of time were terrible. It is hard to feel charmed by it, so it feels like an artifice sitting on top of a story, you know, like it feels like the story and the style are different uh, uh, at points at loggerheads, or like what the film wants to be and what it is. Yeah. And so we have all, all the flashback scenes, which is the, the stuff with Marion and the stuff showing him working in the studio system and mm-hmm. his relationship with Hearst and Mayer. And then we have the stuff in the present, which is is all him. Uh, uh, it's all him at a uh, at a like rehab uh, center in the Mojave Desert, mm-hmm. uh, where he's been taken to dry out. Yeah. And and also uh, where he's been given like sixty days to write the script for uh, for Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, 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 he's which in this film seems ridiculous, a ridiculous amount of time because he's got nothing to begin with. Uh, when in reality, he was going into it with over 300 pages of notes from Orson Welles <laughs> about the kind of film he wanted to make. Right. <laughs> which, you know, as you can see, it is terrible, but Peter Bogdanovich does somewhat have a point. Yeah. Uh, 
and and also just be, be, be like the way that 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 this period of the film is structured is also super confusing time wise because there's a point about forty minutes into the movie where they're like oh well you've you know you you've you've already used up most of your sixty days we've only got two weeks left and then there is the last like hour and a half of a movie which I guess takes place in 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 like two weeks but like. That feels like it takes way longer than the sixty days we, the, the, the yeah. like 40, 46 days we, we already saw. Oh no, that is the six. He get he finishes the script in the sixty days, but it was always the thing is like you've got ninety days. See, but like this is right. where I'm talking about that like the the script wants to be deft and non-linear like Citizen Kane, yeah. but does not understand that like so much of 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 the machinery and, and what Mank brings to Citizen Kane in terms of that storytelling and Orson, or Orson as if I know him, you know, Orson Welles from Transformers the movie. Yeah, um, the, the Transformers the movie. Oh, sorry, the Transformers the motioned picture um, is... Star, starring starring Unifron. Is that how it informs you where you are in time uh, is doing kind of invisibly on, on a number of levels. And also, like, we saw it with the time dashes in Magnificent Ambersons, mm. in that they're, they're never called out, but it's never unclear. Yeah. And, and that kind of work is not in this, because even with on-screen titles, it doesn't make sense. But it is, it is the thing that he actually has 90 days. It's that Wells wants to see a draft in 60 days. Right. And then all the stuff where he's written a 240-page script, which is too long, unless you're seeing mm. Sono, when it's too sh- then it's too short, I presume, <laughs> um, is then, and it does seem, because of how the film's timing works, like everyone in Hollywood reads this massive script in like a day. Yeah. I mean, everyone starts coming to see him and be like, oh, yep. do you think you might be... Even you might be by the movie you can chew when you check on Hearst, eh? Mm. <laughs> oh no, Ter- terrible accent work well, by no, me. There are like three scenes or four scenes where people, different people, and they're like, "This isn't a good so, idea. Yeah, He's really so, going to get you." But I got to tell you, this is the best thing I've ever read. And yeah, like, we, we, yes. Yeah, so there's like one scriptwriter who we meet at the beginning of a movie, yeah. who is, I think, supposed to be the, the nephew of Marion Davies. I believe so. Even though he seems uh, a lot older than her. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, then there's a scene where, where, where Marion herself comes to see him. There's a scene where his brother Joseph Elmankovitz comes to see him. There's, uh, there's a scene where Orson Welles comes to see him. There's a scene where... Where Marion comes to see him. I already said that. Oh, I'm sorry. I That's was okay. looking at my phone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all these scenes where people come to see him and tell him how great the script is, and then get mad at him because he's he's gonna he's gonna take on Hearst, and you know it's gonna ruin his career. Oh, like he he has that discussion with his wife a couple times. Yeah, you know, poor Sarah. Poor Sarah. And then she's like, "Don't call me poor Sarah." And then the scriptwriter is like, "That's enough that she has an arc, right?" Yeah. And then David Fincher is like. I mean, the biggest arc I've given to a female character is either making them a sex object or decapitating them. I mean, there's also Gone Girl. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. Like, yeah. So defend that film's portrayal of women to me. No, you're uh, it, right. It, it's I 100% accurate. <laughs> like, if there's one thing we know about women, it's that they are all <laughs> crazy. Yeah. No, no okay. You're, but, like, Gone Girl entirely a success of writing right yeah yeah on like a representational level and like maybe maybe like a moral level not 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 great but like that, that that's that's like a, that's like a well-written film well yeah and yeah. Uh, and most importantly written by a woman yep. um a woman 
That's that's me doing Roger Moore in Moonraker, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> discovering he's looking for Doctor Goodhead, and then he rounds a corner and he goes, "Is Doctor Goodhead here?" And she goes, "I'm Doctor Goodhead," and he goes, "A woman." Yeah, I know. If you're up to that bit in Moonraker, well, he is Christmas Goodhead twice this year. <laughs> hey. Old jism up James Bone Jones. <laughs> he just loves to fuck. He, he does. Except in Quantum of Solace, where of course he doesn't, and that's yeah. worthy of three separate different trivia entries on IMDb. <laughs> Look, when I go onto IMDb trivia, I want to know one thing, and that's what any of the actors in this film... And kill, film killed on set. <laughs> <laughs> No, any of the actors in this film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> go check, pick any is, film, is, go into the IMDb trivia. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there a YouTube video I could watch of a scene from a movie that where, where two of the actors in the scene went on to later be in either the same cinematic universe or different cinematic universes, and then read thousands of comments of people saying, "Oh my God, it's uh, Captain America and a uh, 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 Bumblebee in the same movie." Oh, uh. <laughs> I was just trying to make up two people who were in a movie. Yeah, I was just like, "Who plays Bumblebee?" Well, I don't like, fucking no know. Oh yeah, he doesn't have a voice. That's like the whole thing of Bumblebee. Doesn't he get a voice at the end of Bumblebee? I think he he has a voice at the beginning of Bumblebee. Oh, okay. Who is Bumblebee? You know, he he's he's a friend to to you and me. I like that film. Yeah, but that's also like, do I like that film, or have I just been so worn down by Bayhem Transformatron? No. Okay. Look, it's it's got it's got Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. It's got uh, it's got it's got a lot of really fun music in it. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's got actual jokes. There is no leering at women. And, uh, and, and the, the, the action scenes are all readable, even yeah. if they're not uh, uh, always uh, 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 fantastic. But you, you can tell what's going on in all of them. Um, apart from being about how Citizen Kane is good and how they made films in the 40s was fun and films from the 40s are fun, mm-hmm. which, like, that is a shallow reading of Mank. But like the 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 source I would put on that is the fact that like obviously it knows that being at that level is not all the way there, um, and so it keeps being like oh but things were bad sort of sort of but it's still juicing them. It's, the very, char- no, it's very non-specific. Yeah, a couple points it, it vaguely references the fact that, like screenwriters were treated really badly by by the studio system, and it's like oh we're gonna start a writers guild, and then Mang's like yeah I shouldn't start a writers guild you should just work more, and then later on he's a member of a writers guild, but it, and I mean like I mean there's like nothing else is ever mentioned about about like screw about screenwriters efforts to unionize. Obviously, there's also all the, all the stuff with, 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 with uh, there's also all the stuff with Upton Sinclair running for uh, running running for is he running for governor or he's running for for senate uh, uh, governor because it's gubernatorial R- right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, with Upton Sinclair running for governor of California which has um, probably my favorite part of a movie where uh, <laughs> where Mank walks out of a studio one night yeah. and he sees across the street Upton Sinclair is giving is is, is just like, is holding a rally and uh, for that entire thing I was like. Like you, 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 nev- you never see Upton Sinclair in like focus. You, you hear his yeah. voice and you see his like silhouette, uh, yeah. and it's across the street. And I was like, "Is that Bill Nye?" <laughs> yeah. And then we looked it up, and it's fucking Bill Nye as Upton Sinclair, which is insane because this film is otherwise full of people who look like people but aren't to them. Yeah. There are like three separate guys in this film where every time there's a shot of them, I was like, "Oh, it's Michael Stuhlbarg." He's back. Oh, oh no, it's not. <laughs> and then I would just be like, "Man, I want to like." I want to see Michael Stuhlberg's remake of The Nutty Professor, where he plays everyone. I mean, have, have, 
Oh, and until you said where he plays everyone, like, oh, he sings Shirley, yet he plays a nutty Professor Romance. Yeah, but he's, he doesn't also play Shirley Jackson. Yeah, I know. And I presume they're kid, and I don't know, I presume there are other people in there. I've not yet seen it. you got to see Shirley, man. It rules. I'm, I will. Uh, but yeah, so it's got Bill Nye in it, and I think that's really fun. But it is, it does have, uh, it, it does have a deeper thing. I think, and like the reason it got made now is that especially with the Upton Sinclair, the 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 plot beats around this are about Louis B. Mayer at the behest of Hearst or at the yeah. behest of Hearst, um, uh, uh, creating oh a phrase I'll just invent at random fake news. Yeah, like using the the power and the tools of of his film studio to produce a bunch of propaganda short films in the style of 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 newsreels. And get them like shown in cinemas to convince the people of California uh, uh, to 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 vote against their own interests, uh, which likely would never happen again in the state of California. Well, and that's the thing, hanging and like there is this real sense of like I said to you while we were watching it, we were very lucky that at this point uh, the Trump family were not in America. Yeah. So we don't because this film, if it could would have a bit of a of a Republican being like, there's a lot of up-and-comers in this party. This Fred Trump guy might not be great, but one day his if he has a kid, that kid could be president. Yeah. And then they would cut to Mank being like, no, that'll never happen. Yeah. And yeah, you're just, just like... Just, just cut yeah. to little Donald in the corner just being like... Nah. <laughs> I mean, was he alive? At, in, yes. in 42 he would have been, right? Probably on no, this is where we learn that Donald Trump is 42. <laughs> um... The, uh, yeah, so <laughs> when I type Don, my autocomplete results are Donald Trump and then Donnie Darko quote, why are you wearing that human suit? <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing you've searched before or is it that, that's all oh, Google yeah. things you want to search? I'm always searching for that. Why did I put on images? Why do I want to see that face? I've noticed something recently yeah. about Drumpf. The light president in Mango thief. Mussolini. Well, that... Yeah. He is. His skin is orange, and I. Th- and you know, you 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 right now would know because you're wearing an orange t-shirt. Yeah, but it's an orange t-shirt with a a scene from the thing on it. So oh, that's yeah, what that is. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's by Erica Henderson, who is the the first artist on the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl comic, mm. which is very good, and you would not like it. Uh, because it has a level of optimism that you would find, uh, you would almost interpret as a personal attack. <laughs> but otherwise, if you're listening and you haven't checked out the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, like I know what it sounds like. I'm being like, check out this comic for children. But like, it's a, it's a fucking tight comic for children. Check it out. It's the Steven Universe of comics, which is yes, me subtly subtweeting the official Steven Universe comics. <laughs> But uh, it's the so it is trying to have this. It's trying to speak to the present moment. Yeah, there was one scene there, like one of one of her dinner parties where everyone's talking about Upton Sinclair and oh, is he a communist? Is he a socialist? Or ooh, what 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 sort of political things are we thinking about these days? Yeah, and it was like oh, it's just a bunch of people fucking quipping in a room. Well, ain't it? it, it, it this whole movie is just people quipping. Like, look, I've I've. I rewatched Duck Soup recently for Mark's yeah. movie, and that's just people quipping in a room, and that's yeah. that's fantastic. No, well, they're quacking because they're ducks. They're quacking in, in a... soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just quacking in a soup. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens yeah. in that film. Right? And also, sometimes Harpo sets a man's head on fire. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes Harpo sets a man's head on fire is a better title than any of the titles of the Marx Brothers films. <laughs> um, 
The Marx yeah. Brothers, good. Good. But also, some of them are bad. Sure. But like, on on on, on, on balance, good. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know my scorching hot Marx Brothers take is that their first film, The Coconuts, is their best film. Oh, I thought your scorching hot take was that Zeppo was the funniest one. <laughs> <laughs> like he, no. he, he, even in Duck Soup, he gets no jokes. Look, yeah, because he was the romantic leading man. That was his role. He was the straight man. And the thing about straight men, no jokes. Yeah, that's why I did quit comedy. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, no one is straight. No, um, but it is like the way this film can properly speak to the moment. Even though I kind of feel like f- <laughs> films shouldn't because it's so easy to be like the world sucks and it's like yeah. you know we know oh the 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 people in power are just massive liars and because um neoliberalism has stripped any sense of proprietary from any side of an argument because capitalism is a death cult that is literally going to kill us and the planet it, you need to add something more to that like we we all know we're all ducks in that soup together but as to actually engage with the fact that, like, what if both Wills and Mank actually sucked and weren't cool, and you actually managed to give them moments of failure or regret? And in that, like, it is interesting that Mank doesn't really have a character arc in that the, we see him writing but struggling because he's a genius who has to drink. Yeah. And then in the back story we essentially see him like showing his morals and getting material which is an arc of awesome and what if because it's already a fiction yeah i don't care if it's not true but what if you tell a story about him being this incredible company man who fucking loved the system even though there are abuses of power all around him and then he saw how corrupt that system went and his response was to work with Orson Welles on making Citizen Kane a film about this problem and then realizing that Orson Welles is kind of the next generation of the same problem. Mm. Like, do that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't just be like, oh, the past sucked and they had the same problems as today because it feels like, what? Like, actually say something. Like, yeah. Actually have the ovaries to say something and like, you know do, 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 um, uh, so during, during, during the film there's like one scene in particular with, with, with Orson Welles where, where I was like this is a this is a bad Orson Welles and 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 you said I don't think it's a bad Orson Welles it's just like this is like the first time we're seeing an Orson Welles like someone doing Orson Welles it's just like an impression but like for, for me I, I I think it is an impression it's just a bad impression which is why it feels like he's doing something different because, like, oh, from, from what I've heard, Tom Burke is a very good actor. He's yeah. supposed to be great in The Souvenir, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm meaning to watch. But, like, in, in, in this, like, he's just he's just dressed in Orson Welles' clothes the whole time. He's got Orson Welles' facial hair from, like, 30 years after he made after he made Citizen Kane. And he's just, like, doing Orson Welles-type things. But, like, like pretty much everything else in the movie, well, not, not, not for, like, sets and costumes, but, like, all, all the performances, it just kind of feels, like, off and phony and kind of, like, not all the way there. And I, I know, like I, 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 well, I, 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 I sort of wish that that performance was like closer to a an impression of Orson Welles, because at least that that'd be like something. Because like Welles is like such a singular presence on film, and like I have no idea how any actor would would capture that. But 
I don't know. You 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 got to you got to do something more than just like wear his clothes and being like and then like shout sometimes. But of, of of the cast, he is the person most cloaked in reference and symbol. Like yeah. every like everything he wears, almost everything he does, every frame of him uh, in in both technical and, and, and in both literal and metaphorical yeah. terms, um, it is is a reference and he is the person most stuck within this film being because like fincher is a tech is is not a performer he's a technician yeah right and, and like so much of of what can be appealing about his work is it, it's icy sociopathic precision yeah Right, and like it is that story about he he um they brought in a motion control camera, uh, uh, uh on the set of Panic Room to do like uh the bits during the the long take through the house right. so they could match it all up together. And he was like, "Oh, this is much smoother than any of my dolly operators can do it." And so he fired grips and then just got everything shot on a motion control rig. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, because he's a, like, he's definitely a bastard. Yeah. Um, Like, like, absolutely, right? Like, you can't make films that look as uh, uh, finessed Mm. and controlled as he does without just definitely also being a nightmare. Um, and, 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 like, and and one hopes that he is a nightmare people can wake up from as opposed to like the nightmares that haunt people for their lives. Yeah. Um and, and that's why so this film being so steeped in reference and nostalgia is that the the all the images and references and quotes in it are so sociopathically and flatly there yeah it is it, everything about it is so perfectly off and it even like the grain of the film and and like film weave of the image is so exactly right off that it is hard for anyone in it to be anything more than a quote or image themselves yes. and i think and burke is the person who suffers from that the yeah most. and i what, like in in, in the, the like first scene where you see him he, he's like he's like um uh, he's on the phone he's calling uh, he's calling mank yeah and you, you just like see him over, over the shoulder at first which and, and it's, it's almost a, which if we googled enough we could work out the exact shot you know it's probably from, from the probably, third yeah. man you know but it, but, but yeah you 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 like see you see, seeing him and you you're not seeing his face, you're just seeing his kind of like side profile. And I I I, I kind of wish the film had stuck more with that, and just like kind of like not not having him not having Wells as like a character, but having him like kind of like stay in like in the shadows and leaving him as a sort of like mythic figure. Yeah. And I think like that that would work kind of better towards what they are going for. Uh, but yeah, just like uh, yeah, I I just think like what they're doing with Burke's performance doesn't doesn't really doesn't really work but yeah that's also that is a technician's film yeah. that's beholden to the work of a craftsman whose craft is not all the way there that's making a firm decision in a way that this film is, seems largely incapable uh, not not incapable it is just this is jack finch's only credited script he wrote a draft of something that was merged into the aviator yeah uh, um and which you know that that film's cool. I like it. Like Leo, like Scorsese. Um, but they're like, yeah, it can't help but suffer by the comparison, right? Yeah. Uh, 
and you kind of and it it does also like a thing I hate especially is when when uh, in in films and there's a lot of this in the theatre, um, which is like characters about great geniuses, whether fictional or real, where the whole they spend the whole running time telling you about how good they are, right, and yes, whenever yeah. you hear their work, um, it, it's not it, it's it, of course it can't be great. Like the success of Almost Famous, a film I watched recently, uh, is that the band in it are second stringers, so you can buy all their songs as being absolutely real because they're not. The whole point is they're not the most famous band yeah. in the world, um, and, and they never. And like the tragedy is, is that they never will be. And this is an, an interesting and Manx in an interesting position because the thing they're talking about being great is Citizen Kane, a film that is great. Yeah, it's it's not the best film ever made, but no, it's Vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll see in about two years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it like it is great. But then when you're talking so much specifically about script in a film that is not, you know, yeah. like you kind of need to have this, your script also be bulletproof. Yes. And it is just, it, it, and or not even bulletproof, but just like better. Yes. Yeah. And it's not bad. Like, it's not bad. No, this, 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 like we're, we're mostly been shitting on it, but it's, it's not a terrible movie by, 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 by any means. But I think the useful thing to do is shit on it because it seems like most of the rest of the critical response is either people being deliberate contrarians and pulling bullshit, like saying the Orson Welles scene in Edward is better than the whole of Mank, which like, cool, like get it, you're edgy, fuck off. Or people being like, this is genius where it's like, okay, cool. I get it. You have nostalgia for this you like the same films as this filmmaker which like oh there are so many films that i like because i like the same films as the filmmaker and and so i feel like it is interesting to have a middle ground do you know who we have not really talked about who uh gary oldman yeah he's in every scene yeah like i don't know this is it's it, it, it's a it's a very gary oldman-y performance yeah it's like, man he, he's walking around he's mumbling he's drunk you know but he's uh, he's always got the the witty response. He's yeah. always he's always chirpy. He's a bit wise. Uh, yeah, he like he just really didn't make like much of an impression on me in in, in this. Like do, 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 during during that big scene at, at, at the like final dinner party in 1937, where he where he gives this, this like five minute long monologue, yeah. and I fucking love a monologue. Yeah, mm, I love it. And like Orson Welles is the king of doing a fucking monologue. And so like, if if you're gonna have, a, I like, mean. I've got Spalding Gray on the phone here. Like, sure, <laughs> but, 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 no, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. But like, so if if you're gonna be making a film about like about Citizen Kane and it's like and like about like Orson Welles and you have a fucking monologue, it's got it's got to be at a really really high level. Otherwise, it's gonna seem like second rate. And and like old Oldman's fine, but like I was just watching that that, that big monologue and it's like this is the this is the scene. It's gonna get played at the Oscars and he's gonna win the Oscar. And I'm going to think, ugh, why did he win the Oscar? Did he win for the longest hour? Darkest Dark, hour? Darkest night. Uh, darkest hour, yeah, yeah. Fuck, if he could win for that, yeah. he win for this. Christ on a Christicle. Um, uh, is, but it's also that he is someone who clearly feels very freed when, like, so many actors crumble when the film is them. Like mm. when when the film uh, is all about them and is all about kind of pimping the character in one direction or another, and it has always been clear that Gary Oldman has loved being in a context where everyone, when he's being Winston Churchill or Mank 
yeah. or a Zorg. Uh, and, and everyone being like, fucking check out this guy. Yeah. Like, because he likes automatically having the status so he can undercut it. He always wants to play the weird angle. Yeah. And uh, it's just that thing. And, of, it, 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 and it's just like with Walking Phoenix, we're like, 50% of the time that really works out for him and yeah. then sometimes it's it just kind of it's just kind of nothing. Well, it's it, 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 no, no, not not nothing. Like it, it it doesn't it doesn't cohere. Well, they're dir- they're actors, directors, they're directors, actors yeah. like that and, and it is like so much of this film is mank. Come on, this guy, he's a genius and like Gary Oldman's he's having such a good time being like yeah, I'm a genius. And I, I, I know at the end of this scene, you're going to say it's a damn good script. So I can just play this whole time being like, I'm just drunk because the whole film knows I'm great. And you, I just want I just want it to play more games than that. I, 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 I think for this film to achieve its ends, it needs to actually. Yeah, it just it needs to accept that he's. What if Mank had faults that weren't the symptoms of genius, yeah. you know? And it, that it's so resolutely able to do that is is to the film's fault and really hurts Oldman's performance yes. as well. I don't, like You didn't like Amanda Seyfried? No. I think she does a very good job of being a film star from that era. Sure, sure. The... Yeah, which I, is her I, job. Like, I love movies from the forties, but I don't like when people from now are trying to be like tr- try try to be like I'm in a movie from the forties. That's why you hate Zoe Deschanel's career. Um, I don't know, like it, it, it just like it just never like sits right with me. And I don't like like but, I've, I've, I've got I've got nothing against Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, but yeah, like I didn't 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 really in, in, enjoy what she was doing here. Yeah, it, it, I I think she does what the film asks of her, and I just wish it had asked yeah, more. No, yeah, so. Um, and, and I I feel like the argument for this film will be people going like, but no, all the dark stuff is there and is in subjects. It's all in the scene that we haven't talked about, which is being like in 1930, they're being like, so this Hitler guy is taking over Germany. He's a bit of a nut, isn't he? And yeah, uh, and I can't remember what point I was getting to by bringing up that scene. I wish I could rewind my brain. Um, Somewhere like that, that, that's where the, the like dark stuff is in the movie. Well, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the people will be like, but no, it is. It is like this film acknowledges there are dark, there are dark things in the world. And, and we should, the tension of the film should be in seeing that we know the reality and that the characters are living in delusion of it. But I don't think it's present enough in the film. No. And I think, the film is too charmed by its characters. Yeah. And I like w- it's, it's just how these days we, we know that cars are evil death machines of the magnificent Amazons are like, yeah. oh, what are they, what about these cars? And we're like, no, don't go near the cars. But yeah. But also I love the way this film looks. Like oh, yeah. I love the aesthetic approach to it. Yeah. I, I I think like CGI giraffes aside, I I think the th- I I I mean I wish it wasn't and I wish I wasn't in in Panavision two three nine widescreen. I wish it was an Academy ratio, but apart from that, actually shooting it black and white, actually degrading it, like that gives it a beautiful texture uh, uh, that speaks to the time and that could have held more conflict. That it is like this is how they like to look on themselves, but what if we show their reality within that? You know, right? Yeah, and and, and I'm just sad because. 
Fincher could have directed that film and directed it well. Yeah. And because he wasn't given those pages, he didn't. You know? And also there's, there's a scene with Joseph von Sternberg where Joseph von Sternberg gets one line. Yeah. And I was like, no, just make a film with Joseph von Sternberg. That, that, that dude was crazy. He made lots <laughs> of weird movies. I mean... This film is also hilariously, especially early on. Yeah, it's, just, a, it's just name-checking every <laughs> single person from, from like the 20s and 30s in Hollywood. But There's a scene where, where, where Amanda Seyfried is, is talking with Mank about a party of a rat, and she's like, I remember when you broke Wally Berry's arm. Yeah. And, you're, and you're like, yeah, great. And, and there, there's a character they call Charlie, and, and who's, who's a Charlie Chaplin, and then there's the scene where you meet all the other writers in MGM. Which yeah. is designed like, here, here. Here's Ben Hecht. Here's Sidney Pollock. But, but it's designed like a pub trivia round. And right, it's yes, like, yeah. look at all these other writers at the era of MGM, so that like the S tier film nerds can be like, okay, that will be Ben Hecht. That'll be blah. That'll be blah. And then they go like, this is Sid. And so the A tier people can be like, ah, Sid. And then they're like. Please, my full name is Blah, and like it is surprising. Like, oh, it's Sid Caesar from your show of shows. <laughs> He's going to work with Mel Brooks. Um, and you're just like, <laughs> I mean, great. Yeah. And we're just like, this film is so much more interested in slowly doling out the the um information of who is in which scene, like the scene that contains the reveal that Shirley Temple is there. Yeah, that was a pretty funny joke, though. That is a pretty funny joke, but it is also like that is a yeah. scene that exists for Mank to watch it to inspire a scene in Citizen Kane. Yes, and, yeah. And so that the audience can be like, oh, that's Greta Garbo and that's Shirley Temple. And it's like, that's to me, that's not enough for what this film aspires to no, be. No. It, it is that, th- it, 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 it is my thing about. Which I'm sure we'll talk about in the Shite and Sound Shite and Showdown <laughs> for the Crown. Um, my thing about Uncut Gems is that I love Uncut Gems, but every scene in Uncut Gems only does one thing, yeah. and that you can concentrate information. That's how you can be deaf. That's what makes. That's what the synthesis of films is. It's the thing that Wells understood. It's why the montage at the beginning of Ambersons is great because it tells us and it shows us. And in this, it's just telling us. Yeah. But out of shine and sound, I would call it sound. I mean, it's 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 like it it's really in the middle for me. This is like a three star film. Yeah. This is an and. I, I'll accept that, and I will admit, like within like because every film person has their their biases. Like a part of this is the fact that that I'm I'm real into monochromatic right, digital yeah. camera sensors. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I can't believe I said that, and it's true. And, and which is... No, no, you guys just know one of your hilarious jokes. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. Uh, and it is finally, and being like, no, part of the thing that pushes it from and to sound for me is being like, they shot all of that. There was not, like, they shot all of that on a camera that had no ability to shoot color yeah. so those pictures are the literal tonal readings of the scene and i love that that i love that technology <laughs> and i love all i love all of it i love that red essentially built that camera so they could shoot this right yeah. and that is a valid reason for me to like the film yeah but it also means that everyone should absolutely discount my opinion on everything but that's because we should discount everyone's opinions on anything Thanks for listening to our film review <laughs> podcast. Um, fuck.
I feel like that we should just just it's I like also maybe I'll watch this film in five years and it'll make me cry and I'll get it you know yeah. and I'll be like oh no this is about the catharsis of creation in a way I could not conceive of at the time so we're we watching next week Finn next week we are watching Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West the wiki wiki wild wild west the, it's the wildest and the westest one of the best fucking movies ever made yeah. Uh, God, it's, 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 so, it's certainly in the top three of Sergio Leone's <laughs> westerns. There's so, so many good scenes, so many good shootouts. I love it so much. Uh, yeah. w- and w- w- with that, we are doing uh, his first film, uh, which, which is, of course, uh, The Colossus of Rhodes, which is a, a sword and sandals epic. I hope that when we watch that, the, the Colossus of Rhodes turns out to be a mech. Yeah, I hope I'm not bitterly disappointed by it. <laughs> Well, I you're saying that as if we'd already recorded that episode and we're doing this out of order, so we could do Mank the week it comes out, even though we're pre-recording stuff because I'm real late on deadlines. <laughs> so, Eleanor, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at uh, ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Check out our website, ShiteAndSound.com. Uh, you can find me on all socialized media, where, which is to say the ones I use, which are Twitter and Instagram, um, and like Letterboxd and Goodreads, I guess, uh, uh, as uh, Lives, U-T-H-R-L-I-V-E-S. Um, and if you like podcasts that involve me, check out The Witching Hours at thewitchinghours.com. If you like my opinions on this, uh, and if you don't, don't tell me, uh, <laughs> ch- check out my review newsletter, The Dean's List. You can sign up at bit.ly slash youthalives. Uh, theme music is The Nuts by Kazan Bland. Check out the album Trapezoids Away. It's on Bandcamp. Mankies are good. Even mank ones. Go, Go mank Mank! 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 for no reason can you, uh, can you just like run and do, do a laugh and then say that's a great joke Yufa you've done it again <laughs> oh Yufa Charles Allen Shay what a joke once again you have proven yourself as one of the most undervalued assets in the New Zealand comedy community great go ahead uh, what else well, no, why did why did you say that? I'm suspicious now. Uh, I'm uh, narrowing my eyes. So I I I just want to have it as my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs>